Duck stream is tomorrow. This is our yearly live stream for the Transactive Gender Project. Please tune in. Go to www.duckfeed.tv slash duckstream and uh, tune in. Donate. It's going to be a blast. All kinds of weird shit is going to happen. Uh, it's mostly streaming video games, but it's also going to be streaming hijinks. And I know you like hijinks. And uh, yeah, it's for a great cause. Um, let's smash our fucking goal out of the water and do some good uh, around the uh, around the Yule, around the holiday. Uh, so yeah, so to, please tune in. That's tomorrow. 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 <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs, a Games Club podcast. And uh, this week we are beginning our two-part discussion of Shadowrun, Shadowrun Hong Kong. Uh, this is a... a Shadowrun Hong Kong. Mm, that, that's, uh, the, that's the Mad Magazine parody. Yeah, what? <laughs> what the? Uh, Dickers uh, and, and <laughs> cyber uh, spaz? i yeah no i i wish i i wish i knew more um uh runner slang off the top of my head yeah yeah uh, <laughs> get get wise dreckhead <laughs> blackhead I mean, shit uh <laughs> yeah blackhead but then it would like, black means shit and black means shit i don't actually know what black means no one knows what it means uh, oh. alfred e. newman should be uh killed with a hammer <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the fucking cryptid yeah like he's <laughs> disgusting uh this is a crpg uh this is a western rpg month this was developed and published by Harebrain schemes for the pc in 2015 yeah uh you play as a kid who grew up in the redmond barons uh in the street so a rough neighborhood you're called back to hong kong or called to hong kong by your estranged father uh, to deal with an emergency, your foster father, who was uh, of Chinese descent. Yeah. Um, when you arrive in Hong Kong, uh, nothing is as it seems. You are drawn to this big underground conspiracy and end up becoming a shadow runner. Yeah. Uh, trying to unravel things. Uh, pretty basic setup for a shadow run thing. Doesn't have yeah. to be any more or less special than that. Yeah, for for people who experience these games vicariously through us, uh, Shadowrunners, uh, it's this is a tabletop setting. We'll we'll talk about all that stuff a little bit. Uh, but you are basically like an operative. You're a crime. Yes. You're a crime boy. You go and do crimes for money. Yeah, you're yeah. A, you're a deniable asset for corporate uh, for corporate espionage kind of stuff. Yes, and crime and and always gang crime. Yes, yes, all kinds of crime. It's crime time. <laughs> uh, this is an expansion sack, expansion sack, expansion pack slash sequel to uh, Shadowrunner Returns and Shadowrun Dragonfall. Uh, we've talked about Shadowrun Dragonfall um, two years ago. 
episode 264, January of 2020. Um, and uh, yeah, this is very similar to that. There are advancements. Um, we're not going to get into the too many of the particulars of the engine. We're going to give you the basics of it yeah, uh, because they're really, really similar. There have been some advancements, but they are not uh, sea changes generally. Yes. So rather than recover a lot of that ground, we're just going to give you uh, going to give you the broad sketches. I think generally here, you know, it is a remit of the show or it is our standing opinion that like a mission pack sequel is not actually a bad thing. Not at all. Like, yeah. What yeah. what Hairbrain Schemes has put together is this really cool storytelling engine. And if they just decided to put out one of these every two years, that was basically the same. Uh, but with new writing and characters and stuff, that would be A-OK. So I, I would I'm, love it. Yeah. And that we're not damning this uh, with, <laughs> with, with, with sketchy description, let's say. Yeah, I we we don't have all of the all the information on how people listen to the show. Mm-hmm. We operate as if people have listened to the episodes that preceded this, even though you yes. don't have to. So, uh, if you want a more detailed explanation of those things, you can listen to that Dragonfall episode mm-hmm. um, up through the generalities. I think that both these games are worthy, and neither of which are things you want to have spoiled. Mm-hmm. If you might play them, uh, it takes a while for the plot stuff to get started in Hong Kong, but the the end game, the overarching plot, is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of cool shit on display. Um, it just takes a while to show its hand. So uh, this episode should be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, if you are interested in these, play them and then get uh, spoiled on them. Yes, yeah, they're, they're they've never been easier to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they put out a, the trilogy on Switch. I know. It's yeah, crazy how, how you played it. Yeah, yeah, which I have some issues with that. I'll talk about at the end of the section. <laughs> Yay. Um, uh, yeah. Also, uh, even though the Dragonfall episode was a premium one, uh, th- the preview is just the gener- generality section. So if you're not a subscriber, there's no chance that you could be spoiled on anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, in general CRPG fashion, you spend you move around in real time isomet- in an isometric field of view doing exploration and dialogue and such and then when it's time for combat you switch to an XCOM like grid uh system um each side of the battle takes uh every member of that team's turn all at once and the next team goes uh and your actions are governed by action points yeah that you have uh, uh pro tip anything you can do to maximize your action points and minimize the enemy's action points makes you into a god Yes, uh, it is uh, about turn denial. Not so much mm-hmm. as you know, Divinity Original Sin. You know, this is this is somewhere between a. Uh, it's like a Wasteland Two level of complexity. Yeah, uh, almost exactly. Um, you are still doing turn denial and move denial and things like that. It's not nearly as robust, mm-hmm. but it is uh, has a degree of rigor to it. Yeah, uh, it's actually kind of just the right level of complexity for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I love the battles in this. You know? I, mean, I, I love the combat engine this too. I can, I could fight in this all day. Yeah. Um, it's really fun to me. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, it, exhausting is the wrong word for something like, well, XCOM is exhausting because it's so high stakes, but something like divinity, original sin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, does tend to be like, you know, each battle is, you know, kind of, kind of workout, you know, it's a whereas meal. With, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas with this one, it's just like, yeah, keep them coming. There's, yeah. there's a snackable element to the combat in this. Um, I, I like, I, I appreciate greater complexity in this. The way that I think about it is that this is the floor of complexity. I appreciate, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want combat to ever be simpler than this. Yes. Um, but it's still in that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Like I, I could just chug this all day long in terms of fights. Um, yeah. 
So uh, in combat, cover uh, factors in very heavily, along with like you know distance to the enemy uh, for your hit chances uh, and and such. Uh, your team uh, will likely consist of a diverse set of shadow runners. Uh, with different uh, uh, weapons, magic, and technology. For anybody who's unaware, Shadowrun is a setting that is uh, kind of a combination of cyberpunk and, you know, magic, like D&D-style stuff. There are orcs and trolls. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, so one of the big innovations that Hong Kong has over Dragonfall. Each of these iterations do these expansion packs improve the engine as well, which yes. is part of how they they don't really feel like expansion packs. They were sold as such, uh, you know, as you you have the base game and you could buy this. You could also buy them individually, but um, you know, huge improvements. The big one here is the ability to enter combat at will, um, similar to the old Fallout games. Yes. Um, so things that would be real time, you can switch out in a turn-based form, either for combat, uh, allowing you to ambush enemies or get the jump on them. If you see enemies before they see you, you can get the first, uh, get the alpha strike in actually a term, or, uh, you can, you know, sneak by them in, uh, in the combat engine, which is a, a fallout trick, things like that. Uh, alternatively, you can go into the combat engine for time sensitive, uh, other things. Like mm-hmm. if you're sending a drone into a vent to open a door before a patrol, goes by or what have you yeah. uh, you can do it that way just did a mission yesterday the one on the boat um mm-hmm. yeah, the whistleblower mission that uh uses this for stealth to a really good effect yeah. uh it's great uh like this is you know like yes they are pulling it from fallout but it is a wonderful complement to the systems that were already on display here What's interesting, you know, them pulling it from Fallout, I don't think that was cited as a influence, but something that I read uh, doing research for this is that, like, Hairbrain Schemes specifically has a design philosophy, like, in their team, that is basically, like, above the doors, it says stealing is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can steal, you know, they, they recognize that there's, you know, nothing really new under the sun here. If there's something that they can borrow from another game and make it better, they will. Yeah. So there's a reason why the combat feels so much like XCOM combat. Right. Like they're, they're explicitly just being like, let's, let's do XCOM. That makes sense for Shadowrun. Like yeah. we're going to tweak it. It's going to be a little bit different, but let's do XCOM. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I have no problem with that because there are two modern XCOM games, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, uh, whatever that, that third one that no one talks about is with the <laughs> super team, the alien team. Yeah. Um, there aren't very many of those. So like to me, that is, uh, it's the same expansion behind being okay with the expansion packs. Mm-hmm. Or the same uh, philosophy of being okay with expansion pack sequels. There's just not a whole lot of that space that is colonized. Mm-hmm. I have room in my heart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just if it works, it works. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, there is an upfrontness about it that uh, feels the opposite of shameless. You know? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I I cannot imagine somebody, you know, saying, oh, X, this has XCOM's combat that is unsatisfying to me. It's yeah. like, no, that's actually a really well thought out thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah, a, it's, it's a it, good system. It ends up being a unique kind of mix as a gestalt without any individual element mm-hmm. being totally innovative. Yeah. You know, which uh, weird, that, weirdly fits, fits in with the cyberpunk thing. <laughs> to yeah, a degree. yeah, exactly. It's, it's made up of clues together parts and arms and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so another thing that has improved is the hacking system. Uh, you are mm-hmm. a, a, you have a Decker who can uh, plug into the Matrix. Uh, previously, that was basically just a reskinned version of the uh, the, the the turn you know turn based combat kind of mm-hmm. stuff. 
you know, uh, a way that they have uh, changed it here is to add like a real time stealth element. So there are uh, special programs on patrol, you know, these little iBot looking things that uh, have patrol routes. You can see the lines that they're going to follow. You can see the vision cone. Uh, and you are attempting to get through to the data stores and, you know, to the levers you need to, uh, you know, uh, pull in order to affect the the, the, the real world, right, mm-hmm. uh, without being spotted. Uh, if you get spotted, then you enter the turn-based combat um, and your, uh, you know, detection goes up and the response goes up, you know, until Black Eyes yes. comes out and does real damage to your, uh, to your decker. Yeah, yeah, you have a little detection meter. Uh, depending on the type of program you're avoiding, if they see you, uh, it will add to your trace count. Yeah, and you can manage that vaguely um, mm-hmm. with a program you can only use in combat to reduce that uh, that heat mm-hmm. um, down there. Certain things will shut down if it's at max heat, um, or if you're in combat mode, you have to kill everything. Yeah. Uh, every iteration of this since returns has made these little innovations. Mm-hmm. to the the uh decking system um this is my third time playing hong kong oh, uh, wow. total since it came out um yeah because i revisited after we did Dragonfall. oh yeah. i was like hmm you know i yeah. i don't think they've ever quite got this right nope um i have some real problems with this uh this system um the uh the patrol routes start out as complicated as they end up mm-hmm. for things they all have a trick where there are overlapping routes and you just don't move quick enough uh, for it. Like it's very easy to get caught and Mm -hmm. get kind of stuck in a spiral because once you get caught, you're in turn-based mode. That little iBot will follow you. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to get caught by other iBots though. And a lot of the, uh, the matrix area is part of their patrol routes. Yeah. So you have to kind of lead that iBot out and, and, and then kill it before it raises the alarm too much. Every turn it's raising your trace meter 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the level, you might have 150 as your limit. You might have 350, but 20 is significant regardless. Yeah. It's going to keep going up. The other thing that happens with this, uh, big innovation is they've changed the way that, um, breaking into data stores and stuff works with this to me, absolutely fucking perplexing <laughs> duo of hacking mini games. Yeah. I, I <laughs> the, the first one is Simon. And you do Simon for a while uh, of increasing complexity. And you think like, oh, you do Simon for a while. Like, that that can't be that much. It's just one door. You do nine iterations, like (laughs) nine rounds of Simon. (laughs) Uh, And then you do this thing where it's going to, you have to choose a code between these glyphs and it's going to flash the correct one in the correct position. Mm -hmm. So you're waiting to kind of uh, remember, you know, which sigil is in which position and then choose the most likely string um it's really tedious and they they give you the ability to buy fat bypass it in exchange for 50 trace which i after the first couple times i took every single time that's a bargain it's (laughs) it's a bargain and my matrix runs instead of being this cool stealthy infiltration became how can i get to the door with the most amount of trace left over so i can bypass it so i don't have to play this mini game Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty damning yeah like I, I like this game a lot. It's not perfect, you know, uh, and they are stumbling to- towards something a little bit better. It's just amazing that they've never matched the Sega Genesis matrix. <laughs> like the Sega Genesis still has the best matrix that like a Shadowrun game has done. Yeah. And that, that is wild to me because that is you asking for JRPG combat. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very short 
only uh-huh. a couple of encounters jrpg thing with a lot of different where status effects matter uh-huh. like jrpgs where you play three fights you know in the middle of another game that's that seems fine yeah yeah you know uh this also does not do a good job of emulating um what you're trying to emulate with this which is your characters are in meat space they're in a rough position your decker has to perform to bail them out yeah uh something that happened comically at a climactic mission of this i don't want to spoil it because it's it's near the end i had a decker working on something the people in the real world killed all of the threats so for every decker turn in which I tried to accomplish this annoying task, I had to just make everyone pass their turn in real life, like just hang out. It was it was very counter dramatic. Yeah. Uh, so I I am willing to say uh, decking still doesn't work in this. Other real problem I have with decking is more uh, grand design kind of based as opposed to uh, nitty nitty gritty. Is that um, if you don't play a decker, so they give you a, a decker in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to want to use the NPCs in this because it's a Western RPG, which means like companion quest. And I, I've grown to really like this crew. Like at first, they're not as good as the Dragonfall crew, but on this playthrough, I was like, you know what? These guys all have their charms. Yeah. I like these guys. Um, she is weirdly, her equipment never improves. It, so it's her, her, crazy, yeah. isn't it? Like her deck never gets better. So she can't really do like more damage. All she nope. does is she gets more AP. Yep, she gets she gets more uh, ability, and you can she'll get better programs, and you can buy programs for her, which will help. But those are always on a cooldown. Mm-hmm. It just means that like you're kind of incentivized to play a decker. Like this this crew is less balanced than the Dragonfall crew. Yeah, um, you know you are in. There's more overlapping characters, and there are more holes in it for you to fill. And mm-hmm. then these half holes. Like I did not play as a decker, but you could. There's a good argument for it, given yeah. that the decker you get in the game caps out at kind of crummy yeah um as a decker yeah no i yeah. definitely very early on hit a wall with isabel and like yeah. i like her as a character but she's great. it's just it's like, just a bummer yeah. <laughs> it's super bummer and she's she's really you know she's a cool character she's also useful outside of the matrix which oh, is like cool. like she's a great, yeah yeah she's a great character it's just she doesn't they should have just made her deck improve yes so it, it's an elegant it's not a great uh implementation of the system keep going guys like you'll, you'll get there eventually uh yeah. it, it makes me wish they had done one of these every two years since then yeah. because we would be on you know this was 2015 we we would have uh three more iterations of this and i think they'd finally get it <laughs> six so, times the charm six times is a charm that's what they say in the in the shadows <laughs> Uh, speaking about Isabel's, uh, uh, kind of progression, uh, that takes us to the point about just general crew, uh, progression. Mm -hmm. This is handled differently as well. Um, everybody levels up at once, uh, you know, or accumulates even if they are not companions. uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of your companions, you know, accumulate, uh, experience, even if they are not, um, along on the job, uh, which is good. Hear that Pokemon? Uh, (laughs) You do not level them up by spending karma um, as you do with your character. Um, instead, you uh, like a lot of stuff about them progresses automatically. Uh, but um, when you go in, you get the ability to choose uh, at each karma level or each level uh, rather uh, one of two abilities uh, from either track. Uh, they are not exclusive. Like you don't need to pick one and then follow with it. You can just kind of take it. Yes. The abilities are. So it's, yeah. do you want, you know, the ability in <clears throat> slot one or two? And then once you've done that, you've made your choice, you move on to the next slot. 
Yes. Um, similar to how augmentations work in Deus Ex. Yeah. Um, I, I am always happy with this kind of system mm-hmm. for companions rather than building them with the same level of detail. And these choices are, they do a really good job of balancing these out. Um, yeah. There are, there are fewer like just clear slam dunk winners mm-hmm. than you might expect. expect. There are a few choices that are no brainers. Um, but there, there are a bunch of them that are like, man, I would like to have both of these. Yes. Um, and that's, that's something that always keeps me engaged. Yeah. It's a super game. giant trick. No. Yeah. And that's, it's a great trick. Um, there, uh, they also reveal a little bit, something of character in these mm-hmm. as well. They, the, the two paths each character has kind of represents generally like two kind of character modes for them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, your, your starting character with us, your brother, who is an ex cop, his paths are lethal and non-lethal. Like, is he going to embrace being a shadow runner and doing what's necessary, or does he stay on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. and value human life? Like in the far flung fictional future cops do. Um, so the like in the fantastic world of post awakening shadow run uh cops value human life and you can pretend like that's true here it's a mer- it's a fantasy yeah you know yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. anything can be true you know yeah. everyday objects you know can be used to summon demon spirits yeah also cops uh, enjoy non-lethal force it's uh it's it's pretty wild um but those are two different like paths that's his conflict Mm-hmm. You know, he, his character is about missing his old life and being shunted into this. He's the one who mm-hmm. takes to it the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's the, that, that's a good example to bring up when we talk about like either option being attractive. So like, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in most games, lethal or non-lethal, lethal, that is a moral choice. You're making for good boy points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a common problem. And this non-lethal equates to again turn denial, reducing uh, yeah, re- reducing your uh, enemy HP or AP mm-hmm. rather, um, uh, putting them to sleep, uh, doing uh, doing area denial kind of stuff. Still very valuable. And if you are running as uh, a street samurai, if you're doing uh, you know gun combat, which is what Duncan is uh, specialized to doing, he is still valuable to be along to bring along if you specialize him to do the non-lethal stuff because that is effectively a, a, a different and complementary style of combat. So yeah. like these specializations are a way for you to like get rid of what otherwise would be kind of default redundancies just based on class. You can subclass them in a way that complements the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a either you are trying to burn down uh, high uh, threat targets with DPS or you're trying to disable them while you take care of their ads. It's like yeah. two different play styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can do and this is that sounds very simple but it's in a complex matrix of your entire team who yeah. are also um you know supplemented with items so every character can do that to a degree using stun grenades and things like that mm-hmm. um it ends up being you know when i talk about the gestalt like talk about this being more than the sum of its parts that is where uh the the kind of rigor comes in and this isn't just xcom uh because your characters are more different than the characters in xcom and you can outfit them with uh a lot of different doodads like you are a um you know you're not a specialist in this Mm -hmm. you uh you do a wide variety of strategies yes yeah Yeah. um so exploration and dialogue uh take a little bit more focus than they do in dragonfall you spend a little bit more time there's there's more words in this it's it's still reading month um (laughs) each mission gives you uh, a lot of ways to avoid combat where you can do kind of do stealth ability checks um there's also a surprising amount of uh you talk to everyone and explore the world so it influences your options in the end game 
yeah. stuff uh, more than there was in Dragonfall. There was there was a good amount of that in Dragonfall. There's even more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, here. Uh, I like and that stuff. I do too. I I like that stuff. It it's the text in this is good. Uh, it is we are just reading a lot this yeah. month. And again, I sound like a sound like a fucking idiot. Uh, I you cannot understand how much I am looking forward to Heretic. <laughs> I, 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 just, I gotta start blasting. Or I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. <laughs> like, if I don't start blasting, like I started last night, I started playing Hades. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just because uh, I was in Switch and Ben, I wasn't feeling super good. I was like, oh yeah, this is blasting, but also no one shuts the fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I need to, I have a need to not read for a minute. You need to, uh, uh, you need to relax your eyes. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's real rough stuff. <laughs> uh, it's so this, this crew, like we mentioned, it's a little less interesting than Dragon Falls, but that's hard because, you know, Dragon Falls, one of the, the all times, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's in the Pantheon. It's not as good as like, say the torment crew, uh, mm-hmm. but it's really great. Um, this is uh slightly less interesting, but still pretty likable. Um, yeah. and each crew member is more specialized. You have fewer kind of hybrid characters. Yeah, which mechanically makes your character's kind of class choice and everything more important. Yes. Um, you know, you are going to build your crew around what you provide, your -hmm. character provides, and fill in those blanks. And they do it. This crew is a really good job of allowing you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a distinct caster. There's a distinct decker. You know, you have a very good rigor in this, which is not something that uh, you know I remember from uh, from Dragonfall. Right. Yeah, you don't you yeah, you don't get a rigor in, in that one. You also don't get a you get a caster in this, but it's a support caster. You don't get an offensive mage mm-hmm. in this one. Uh that is what I played. Uh, and mm. this is the first time I played a, a straight up mage in one of these games. Uh what did you play for this run? Street Samurai. Uh Street Samurai specialize in um I initially wanted to do pistols, but then I realized I remembered, oh yeah, those are really low damage. So then I pivoted to um uh, assault rifle, sniper nice. rifle stuff. Uh, and I and I also uh, uh, put points into charisma to get some etiquettes. Like I've got the Shadowrunner etiquette and corporate etiquette uh, mm-hmm. kind of deal. Uh, those give you special uh, conversation options. Yeah, and will allow you to get past uh, certain certain obstacles and such. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the way that this, uh, because the NPC companion characters are handled through this hybrid system where they just kind of level up on their own, but you make choices. Mm-hmm. It means that there are whole systems when you make a run through of this that you do not engage with. So, like, playing through as a mage, I did not engage with cyberware. Like, there are a yeah. whole bunch of cool toys I didn't get to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas as a, as a street samurai, you could play with those. However, since the team doesn't have a mage, there are a bunch of mage spells that you can find or buy that your playthrough didn't allow you to use. Yeah. Um, so, it's got some replay value in that, and it it really does respect what kind of character you want to play. Mm-hmm. On this. Yeah, I dig it. Um, is there any other kind of mechanical stuff that I missed before we get into, uh, aesthetic kind of deals? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty similar to the last one. I think that like, if you've played any of these games, this, uh, you'll pick this right up. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so like the companions, the narrative here suffers in comparison to Dragonfall. Um, I think that uh, is partly, uh, just, you know, like different story, different writing, uh, but also, um, uh, maybe a preference thing. This is very fixated on magic stuff, you know, uh, de- de- mm-hmm. demons and, you know, you're, you're in Hong Kong, you are in, um, you know, China post the awakening. So the idea of chi is real, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so this is very concerned with, you know, kind of the more spiritual side of Shadowrun, which has never been my favorite part of it, you know? Uh, and mm-hmm. also this is real gang and corporate. Dragonfall, you know, my preference, it leaned into, my, it leaned into my preferences a lot, which was that was more like political and technological intrigue, you know? Like the free city, you know, of Berlin. Yeah. An amazing setting, right? Yeah, the, the, the free city of Berlin is great. Uh, no. this, the, the docs that you spend your time in here is less good. Um, this, I will be real curious if you feel that, have you beat this? No, I'm not. Okay. I'll be real curious if you end up feeling, I think that the end will do some redemption for you. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it takes the lever of that kind of spiritual magical element of Shadowrun and basically plies it as cool as it can get. Oh, um, like it's, it's real good. Okay. Uh, the, um, <clears throat> there, there's a thing that happens with these games. You know, we talk about them making an expansion pack every two years. One of the reasons they don't do that is because Shadowrun has a fixed number of marquee cool concepts. Yeah. Right. Um, and they burn through them. So <laughs> to me, the thing, the grand overarching narrative of this is starts weaker, but ends not stronger than Dragonfall, but ends, you know, up there in the same mm-hmm. ballpark. Um, as Dragonfall, the individual short stories do tend to suffer a little bit. And the reason why is because they've used up a lot of their marquee cool things. Yeah. And this was a problem even in Dragonfall where Shadowrun Returns, which is, you know, still like a, a B, B minus game, but is the weakest of the trilogy, um, used up bug spirits, which mm-hmm. are one of the coolest things from Shadowrun. It would feel weird if they just did it again, <laughs> you know? So like a lot of the very cool things in Shadowrun, uh, have already been taken care of. Like there's that mission in uh, Dragonfall where you get the the cyber zombie or whatever. Yeah. The uh, the guy who you know that they've created this character and his essence is so low because they just keep jamming cyber onto him. And you know you could you can mercy kill him. You can you know sell him all those things. That's really cool. Yeah. This uh, this game has fewer of those. There are so like the mission that you're talking about that whistleblower mission. That's really cool. That's yeah. that's dealing with some cool. Shadowrun setting stuff. There is some stuff here that that does that, but there's less of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they've already used a bunch of them, and and a bunch of them just end up being kind of missions. Yeah, you know, it's got uh, Shadowrun Third Edition stink to it a little bit, like mm-hmm. where it's it's dealing with things that were added after the best time, which was when I played it when I was a kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the mystical stuff can't be cool, like uh, uh, Glory's uh, uh, mission. In, oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah. this is fucking great. But yeah, the I is wonderful. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is me just liking Glory as a character. You know, so that's the that's the thing is that uh, you know, so there there are five characters you get in this five companions. We'll talk about them in detail. Like as they get introduced, right? Uh, your brother who you get is a pretty standard character. Does not mm-hmm. have like a loyalty mission. He's basically a second main character for that. Yeah. And then you're introduced to two ladies who are with you who are don't have a whole lot to them. Like they're charismatic and they're mm-hmm. fun characters. Like I grew to really like them as characters, but they don't have as strong a hook. Yeah. As, as like a glory does. And then uh, the other two characters that you can add are much more hooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the two that I think are stand on, you know, with the, the first game's characters. But absolutely fully, fully 60 percent of the characters in this are not as good. <laughs> and they're they're likable. They're fun. Like, I love Gobbit. Like, yeah. Gobbit's great. Like, it's, just, you know, it's funny. Like, it seems fun to hang around. Yeah, you know, uh, but just there's just not a lot to them. They're like too well adjusted or something. <laughs> you know, I, I I want them to be like getting up in each other's face and shit. Like, yeah, you know, 
um they just seem they seem all right yeah they're a good time. <laughs> you know? no drama low drama yeah yeah no happy happy wife happy life like <laughs> i just uh they're 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 likable mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh there's worse things for characters in a video game to be um, yeah, there's, there's nobody who's fucking obnoxious yeah you know there's, there's nobody who i hate yeah uh visuals are on par with previous entries you know this is a they, they do some real cool uh like painterly style um you know isometric kind of deals it's kind of hard to tell what's 2d and what's 3d you know mm-hmm. uh as a, as it goes it's a, it's a neat looking game without being like you know technologically impressive it doesn't have to be the art direction is there um the music in this i don't remember the music in dragonfall being this really good there are bops in this yeah the music in this is great yeah like it's probably the best soundtrack of the three um it's it's a th- doing a thing where it's adding the the local flair but without being obnoxious about it um <laughs> yeah. they're taking like shadowrun music and they're adding uh like a chinese musical component to it without everything turning into camp town races or just <laughs> you know sounding really obvious yeah like they're adding the instrument in this palace and stuff but it still sounds very shadowrun mm-hmm. like the the hong kong version of the leap motif the shadowrun theme from the super nintendo game that they're still mm-hmm. using thank goodness um is uh is really good yeah yeah I, I i love the music in this game this is a great soundtrack yeah uh so like we said this is the third entry in harebrain schemes shadowrun uh series uh, what a miracle is it that after the nadir that was Microsoft getting a hold of this license and making a multiplayer first person shooter, they just decided, all right, this studio wants to make a game in it, so let's license it out, and like it ended up here. It could have died yeah. with you know, it could have died in the video game world with that game, right? E- easily died. It, it's the the Jordan. Uh, I can't remember his last name right now, but it's the the guy, the FASA guy who decided to do it. Like I remember, mm-hmm. um, I've told this story before. We did Dragonfall, but like one of the first PAXs I went to, me and Nick went. He held a like shareholders meeting for people mm-hmm. who had kickstarted it because it was like kickstarting games was less, uh, you know, de rigueur then mm-hmm. um, for people who had done returns and did like a Q and A, and they didn't give him a panel for it he couldn't get a panel so he just like held it in a room oh wow. he's like you know on social media was like hey if you kickstarted the game and want to talk like come here and we went there and it was really positive like he's just very realistic about scope mm-hmm. you know and stuff like here's what we can do here's what we're not gonna be able to do with the budget and stuff like he just it's a real passion project yeah um i have a lot of respect for for that guy and i hope uh i hope that he's not a monster that i don't know about yeah it's always a benefit it was a bonus yeah yeah so gonna play battletech like i I like Mm -hmm. this dev a lot um and i don't particularly care for the 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 license of battletech but i trust them yes i bet you it's fun yeah uh but they uh announced this with their kickstarter in january of 2015 uh blew its goal out of the water uh their goal was a hundred thousand they made 1.2 million uh overall it funded within hours uh good good success Mm-hmm. Um, the engine and tools were already created. Um, and you look at interviews from them and they say like, yeah, our explicit goal here is you know, we want to really focus on, uh, you know, new content, new characters and stuff like that. We've kind of already, you know, solved a lot of the technical problems. We're going to be making the usual improvements, but this is, this is story, right? Yes. Yeah. And the, it's the first, uh, Shadowrun video game that takes place in Hong Kong and they wanted to make it feel really different. 
um, there were source books and such for Hong Kong. Like this is one of the canonical settings where you can play Shadowrun, but they'd never explored it in a virtual space. So they need mm-hmm. to really concentrate on the feel of it and how it made yeah. it feel different. Yeah. Le- leaning into this concept of, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Guanxi. Uh, you know, just as, uh, you know, very corporate, uh, Hong Kong, uh, style of social network socializing. The idea of, you know, just a, a very complicated system of like making and saving face, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of deal. Uh, it is an interesting way to handle like honor. You know, it leans more in this. It leans more into like the, you know, the kind of a gang side of things as expressed here, which is like, well, no, I I, I can't let people know that I can be fucked with. <laughs> yes, it, it's uh, I was going to I was going to say that this launders honor uh, in a way for me. Yeah. Like I don't I, typically I'm not very interested in honor as a motivation mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a video game. Um, and in part because I associate it a lot of times with blind loyalty. Mm hmm. Uh, which is something I don't respect, right? So, like, one of the reasons, you know, like, the plot of Sekiro fell flat for me is because of this idea the characters in the world believed uh, you had to obey a master or obey mm-hmm. a father. Even if they ultimately end up subverting that, that is the baseline. Yes. And to me, that's ludicrous. Like, you no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, that just answers the whole plot. Like, nah, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to put myself in that mindset. Yeah. Uh, this game, by framing it in terms of organized crime, basically, like, no, no, no this is weakness. Mm-hmm. It's not dishonor. It's it's showing vulnerability yes. that we have to, you know, it's this, this dance. It does a really good job. Like, the character who's most focused around that, uh, who's one of the characters you find, Gaishu, mm-hmm. um, does probably my favorite honor story in a game. It's... Like, he's really good. He's uh-huh. a great like character. He's really interesting. Um, he's uh, his motivations make a lot of sense. Like he's he crosses a line where I think he is genuinely badass. Uh-huh. Uh, and God, I hate calling a video game cartoon badass, but like <laughs> I genuinely think he's like a really badass character. Like, yeah, does a great job, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. sells it. Yeah, and that that that's that's also kind of endemic to the setting. Uh, Ga- Gaish, Gaishu is from Japan, which yes. you know kind of ha- has its own has its own politics and its own kind of you know kind of imperial Japan revival kind of thing going on. Like there are discussions about like a neo samurai's place and position under under fascism, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and the answer is not like must be must be loyal. Like mm-hmm. they, it just goes beyond that. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I just really appreciate it. You know, yeah. there's also a lot that the setting does uh, for this to add to it in terms of just feeling like we don't spend a lot of time here. Like we talk mm-hmm. a lot about um, video games being in new zones. Right. Yeah. And I, I know that I, I am now an adult and I understand that Japan and China have incredibly different cultures. Mm-hmm. I will admit, like when I was a kid, I, di- I don't think I did understand that. And American you know, culture and I, didn't do a lot to help you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, when I say kid, I don't mean like when I was 19. I mean, when I was a kid kid, right? Yeah. The point I'm going towards this is that like, we get a lot of games set in Japan. Mm-hmm. We we don't actually get very many games set in China though. Yeah. Like sleep, it is. Sleeping dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we, there's a couple, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it just doesn't happen very often. And we're getting, because of that, we have a whole new set of not just those cultural mores, but a whole different mythology. Like, Mm-hmm. That is why the magic element of this, when it kicks in, feels really fresh to me because yeah. it doesn't feel like either, 
you know, as something from a, a Western mythology that I'm very familiar with or another yokai. Like I, yeah. I like a yokai, uh, mm-hmm. but I've just, we've done a lot of them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not new. Uh, this feels like a new setting Yeah, in a lot of ways. And, and I mean, additionally, Hong Kong as kind of a crossroads of commerce from a bunch of Southeast Asia. Like yes. you get characters and mythologies from like Indonesia and Macau. Uh, yeah. Being, you know, being, being pulled up in here again, you know, just things that you do not generally see represented. Uh, yes. It is, you know, th- th- this has a regional focus as well as like the hyper local focus on what if Hong Kong was never given back to the Chinese, you know, political party. And what if it kind of remained this hyper corporate, you know, its own kind of, uh, you know, anarchism, its own kind of uh, capitalist anarchy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really refreshing. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I really want to explore different settings and, and mythologies and stuff in my video games. Uh, mm-hmm. And this ends up being a, a really great example of that. Yes. Um, this got uh, moderately good reviews. It's like 81 on Metacritic, which is about where the Shadowrun turn games live. Like I mm-hmm. think Dragonfall is an all timer, but like this is, you know, they're not, not never going to be for everybody. Yeah. Um, the consensus at the time was this is more of the same and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And we agree. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they released an expanded edition of this featuring uh, audio commentary and also this bonus epilogue ca- campaign uh, that is notable for featuring tougher combat scenarios. Kind of the consensus is Hong Kong's uh, combat is a little bit of a step down from uh, some of the scenarios and difficulty in Dragonfall. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the expanded edition kind of uh, addresses that. Yeah. It also is functions a bit as a companion quest for your brother character who does mm. not get one in the main game. So it's wrapping up his arc and giving him the chance to go back to his old life or not hmm. uh, nice. there. So I didn't play it this time, uh, but I did play it last time I played it. Nice. Um, it's good. Mm. You know? uh, it's cool because it takes place canonically after the events of this. So uh, it's not like a DLC where they have to pretend like they're doing a side mission. <laughs> like everyone just like, man, that was fucked up. Like this, this thing that just happened. And they're all still kind of living in the shadows of the climax of this game, which is pretty momentous. Yeah. Um, so it, it's cool in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like we said, Hairbrain schemes, they set Shadowrun aside after this. They worked on Battletech. They worked on um, their uh, roguelike Necropolis. Uh, I remember you saying you didn't care for that. What was I, that? I didn't play it. I just got really got really bad word of mouth. Gotcha. I, I never played it because I thought we could do it for Wolf at some point, but like mm. a roguelike Dark Souls with basically uh, Star Fox graphics, <laughs> like, but with janky combat. Like, I don't really understand what it's there for, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, and every, every look at it, I've seen every YouTube I watched it, it looked pretty bad. Yeah. Um, uh, also like we kind of alluded to, uh, they bundled this game up with the other two, uh, and released Shadowrun trilogy, um, earlier this year. First time it kind of hit consoles, uh, because of like a weird licensing agreement, uh, with Microsoft It's like, Hey, this can only come out on, you know, PCs and stuff. No consoles, uh, yeah. up until this year. And yeah. I want to hear, so you had issues playing this on the switch. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a couple issues with it. Um, it is, uh, it chugs. Hmm. So it's, uh, when, if you're in a big area, um, it, it gets kind of choppy, uh, especially when initially loading, there were some crashes, um, which were, were annoying. 
the biggest issue though is really interesting uh to me and i was looking forward to like bringing it up on the show um so if you're playing this on computer uh, you have this intricate little isometric town that you're moving through and you click where you want to go mm-hmm. right and it's designed as such like your character will just pathfind there in the switch version you control yourself directly with the uh the joystick oh weird. the way the way that the well that, i mean that's how it is in divinity original sin that's how it is in most console ports yeah that's how the console port of planescape torment is as well like the switch mm. version um you move your guy around uh here though the areas were so designed for that pathfinding you are constantly getting hung up on oh. little jags in the scenery yeah because uh, everything's so blocky yeah everything is very blocky it's hard to yeah. tell what is ground you can walk mm. on you know so you have these things where like you're on this dock you have to make your way over to your home base there's a little bridge of two ships and your character just walks on them kind of like they're flat, but they would have, you know, walls in real life. Like you would step down, you'd step up. It ends up not feeling right. Yeah. Um, and adding like a low key level of friction, like it's not game breaking. Like I still played it and beat it. And I would, I appreciated being able to play in bed and on the couch and stuff. Yeah. Um, but boy, it's, uh, it's an interest. It's, I've never seen that concern. Uh, that kind of dissonance show up. Like this is no. a world that is meant to be navigated by pointing and clicking. Yeah. And it was designed that way. I wonder if it'd be a better fit on the steam deck. I might. Yeah. On the steam no. deck, I imagine you would move, just move a cursor around and click. And that would probably work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up getting on switch in the trilogy uh, in part because I wanted to play it uh, in bed and I didn't want to fiddle in case the steam deck needed fiddling. Right. And then part just to support, the company uh because i i've gotten a lot of you know a lot of use and a lot of fun out of these games and i want them to make more you wish them well yeah i wish them well um that uh that right licensing deal was the reason why they could make these games after microsoft did that fps yes the the bargain was you can make them but they have to be for portable and pc mm-hmm. and the switch ends up kind of being a, a cheat for that yeah. so Although I, I, I think the uh, I, I think the trilogy version is available on PS4 and Xbox One as well. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, di- I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that. That's a that's a renegotiation of yeah. some kind. That's good. Yep. Um, they have expressed Harbane schemes has expressed some interest in returning to Shadowrun. You know, saying they have a lot of good ideas, a lot of cities to explore. There's one for every source book. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope they do. Yeah. Like I'd be really excited to wake up tomorrow and have them announce Shadowrun Denver or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Do, do Chicago, you cowards! Do Chicago. You you can do bugs again. It wasn't very <laughs> good in Shadowrun Returns. It's been enough time. <laughs> it's been enough time. There are more bugs. Uh, there are uh, bugs other than ants in this world, Horatio, as that famous <laughs> quote says. Um, yeah. So the uh, I would love to see that. And there's also, I mean, the biggest thing that I would love to see them do is um, UCAS politics. Like, mm. there's this whole meta storyline in Shadowrun about uh, Dunkelzon, like this big dragon. <laughs> the, the dragon uh, president? <laughs> the dragon president getting assassinated and uh, leaving behind a really mysterious will. Okay. Like, one of the source books is just his will huh. because it, it's full, it's nonstop adventure hooks. Huh. Like, it's it's a really cool, it's a real fun source book to read. Um, and it, it's got a, uh, there's just tons of ideas there. Like yeah. the, the campaign, the, the set of missions that deals with that is called super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love like shot run super Tuesday yeah. as a, uh, as a game. That'd be great. Hmm. 
I really need to get a hold of more of those old second edition um, source books. I, I've mentioned it before. Uh, anything that says threats is mm-hmm. great. The yeah. second edition threats book is really incredible, but it's it's just the like horrible shit in the world. So it's when they're talking <laughs> about like you know bug spirits and toxic shaman and all that stuff, like all the the good good bad stuff. Yeah, well, it's like so. that uh, Delta Green book I love, Labyrinth, which is just like yeah, here's yeah. some here's some factions, here's like modern day post truth internet era, you know, ways that like Haster manifests and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I finally got a physical copy of that. Oh, it's so I've good. Been, I've been rereading that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, source books, man. Source books. It's, I don't them. know what it says about me. It's a it's a great way to read. It's fucking interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't need all those conjoinders. Just give me the ideas. I, <laughs> give me give, give me the blocks. Honestly, I yeah. want to play with these blocks in my mind. Yeah, I just want a bullet pointed list of everything cool about a thing. With none of the messy fiction and transitions in between the two. <laughs> that, that's the that's the straw man version of me. That's right. what I was yelling at. But like, it is. Uh, there's a pleasure in that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. Let's do uh, a note about the structure of this one. Uh, so you have the intro uh, and you have the, uh, uh, the the kind of the ending missions and stuff. But like the big kind of gummy middle of this is shadow running. Like you are taking on jobs and you are not necessarily compelled to do them in any particular order. Uh, yes. So the order that I have here is not prescriptive. You will have likely gone through them in a kind of a different way. I was just kind of following my nose here. Yeah. And and just uh, insert duck feed praise for a mission structure or a game structure where you do jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, like that Baldur's Gate 2 innovation of like, here's an excuse to go see everything cool about our world. Yeah. You know, I I, I can cannot get enough of it. I want every game to be that basically. Yeah. Um, so the game begins with a cinematic. This is actually also an innovation. They didn't have these before. Mm, uh, these yeah. little cinematic uh, things that are kind of like uh, painter uh, paintings that you move around, like motion comics, kind of yeah, you know, vaguely yeah. animated. Mm-hmm. Um, this old man who once cared for you uh, and someone named Duncan leave a message for you saying, uh, meet me in Hong Kong. <laughs> it's something to do with your past. Uh, and he does not have very much time left. Oh, um, yeah. And we see how that uh, goes. We see an animatic of some people arriving at the uh, the tea house that he's at, uh, and then uh, from outside we see them opening up, uh, opening fire. So, yep. you know, we're led to believe that there is a uh, that there is a hit here. Uh, obviously, we we don't know this because our character and uh, and Duncan, uh, who is our kind of foster adoptive brother, have this uh, you know real rough landing um at uh, a port in hong kong you have arrived here uh kind of yes. together uh you haven't uh, talked with him for a while like it's a surprise to you that uh, duncan is now lone star you know mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a run-a-cop kind of guy uh yeah. and he has he has brought his partner slash commanding officer carter with him yeah uh and a, a note about role-playing in these games uh you are given a lot of dialogue choices in this it's very rare that it affects the game 
Mm -hmm. Uh, It does sometimes, but really what you're doing is choosing what kind of character you want to be playing in the world. Yeah. Uh, It's very frequent. You'll have, and you get to define those relationships. So like there are ways that are the, it's kind of gamified. Like there is a correct way to do it where you will get the warmest response and the most content. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you're, you're meeting with Duncan, you're going to find out your backstory as time went on that you like abandoned, like you took off um, and some bit you, you ended up in jail you know, at some point that's canonical. You get to tell, you get to decide why, and then you get to decide what your attitude is with Duncan. And like a cool thing that I didn't appreciate until playing this game a couple times is that like Duncan is your brother and he Mm -hmm. wants you to act like that. Like if you bust his balls and, you know, joke around with him, Mm -hmm. he will warm up quicker than if you try to, you know, big dog him or if you try to be careful about his feelings. If you try to be sorry, cop. (laughs) Yeah. you, You cannot be sorry, cop. In this, you want to be a rowdy locker room cop. Yeah. A jocular cop, you know, <laughs> uh, jocular cop goes over a lot better. And yes, it can in uh, a long enough timeline, it can have kind of a fatigue f- effect because you get a lot of three dialogue choices, two of which are functionally identical. Yeah. You know, and it's, it doesn't take long for you to see the strings that like a lot of times these don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to think of it as like a fun little thing you're doing to kind of play a role in yeah. in a literal sense that doesn't actually impact the world. Like the actual way that you're going to impact the world through your roles are big, uh, choices at the end of missions and then your build. Yeah. Stuff, so. Uh, think of it as you are just kind of constantly, you know, holding onto the throttle for your attitude, but that is not, <laughs> that, that throttle isn't, isn't attached to a lot you're of predi- stuff. You're helping daddy. Yeah. Like you, you're pretending to drive. <laughs> you got a little little fun steering wheel next to the. Uh, you're holding the controller while your brother plays. <laughs> in this small respect, you're helping so, daddy. Yeah, yeah, you're helping. You know. Yeah. Um. When you when you get there, so Raymond did not meet you. Raymond was supposed to to meet you and Duncan and and Duncan's backup. The docks are instead empty. The gate is sealed. Uh, so you have to pass through this construction site, but run into some smugglers uh, who attack you. Uh, this is Duncan, and Duncan's a cop. You know, he kind of, he's Lone Star, mm-hmm. he's a run-a-cop. He immediately starts uh, big dogging him, and it starts a fight. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is combat tutorial. It's very basic. Uh, you know, there are a couple different lanes that you can run down. There's lots of cover available to you. Nothing huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. more, more meaningful. Uh, go, oh, good. I just gonna, it's really here just to teach you the importance of cover. Yes. Um, the way that uh, even light cover. So mm-hmm. cover, uh, I love the way that in these games it's uh, signaled. You get a little shield that's filled in to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, light cover doesn't do anything except for prevent critical hits, mm-hmm. I don't think. But that's actually really important. Yes. You know, the idea that if you're in the open, you can be crit. Uh, that is how you will, if you're going to go down, like this game is not very hard. But if you're going to have a close call, that's how. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, more meaningful is when you get past this and there are some uh, uh, more smugglers just kind of waiting in the like on, in the streets outside of the uh, construction site there. They're not aware of you just yet. Uh, and you, this this is where you learn about going into and out of combat mode. So you can either get the drop on them or you can attempt to kind of sneak back and uh, push a big crate out of the way of a fence to get forward. I decide you know, I want to combat. So I decided to ambush them. Uh, mm-hmm. so I didn't try and sneak through this. I imagine there's some kind of check when you attempt to move the, uh, move the crate, uh, without getting their attention. 
it's worth noting that the way that uh, XP works in this game, which is karma, we didn't talk about it in the first part because it's the same as Dragonfall, basically. Uh, you don't get it for combat. It's no. not a thing where every enemy you kill, you get one karma. Because that would upend Buddhism. Like, in, in a general sense. <laughs> Karma's meted out by the cosmos. No, Karma's meted out by my nine. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Karma bounty. <laughs> and, and the trick is to get the most of it. Mm. Um, the, uh, so you, you do have very completing missions. So yes. the, uh, the incentive to fight guys in this is purely intrinsic. It's because the combat is fun. Yes. Um, and it, it says a lot that I still like went loud a bunch of times because it was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's rodeo, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's rumble. It's fun. Yeah. Um, you reach, uh, you reach this crew of four after this, after you get past this, uh, section, uh, four characters here that barely concealed weapons and they draw on you. Uh, but you explain to them like, Hey, uh, what's going on, uh, here. They explain that Raymond hired them. Um, they were supposed to be his escort into the Kowloon walled city. Uh, Colin Wall City, in case you don't know, was a real thing. Uh, it was a gigantic uh, block, uh, city block that's basically as densely populated as anything ever could be. It's the most densely populated area of Earth. Yeah, when it was third, available. It was thirty thousand people in six in six acres, mostly yes. built uh built up in a uh, yes. uh, improvised and kind of ramshackle way. Um, uh, you know, this was outside of Hong Kong, uh, at a certain point, you'd be, you know, because it's because of economic factors and stuff, this became a, a hotbed for like crime, um, things. It got like so bad that like the police would only go into it to do enforcement, like in big, in big crews. It was like its own, just like pocket, uh, civilization, uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Absolutely fascinating. Like it, it's one of those things where like, it's very sad there are a lot of uh, sociological elements to it that make it very sad. I appreciate all of that stuff and love it. It also just became an incredibly surreal area on earth. Mm -hmm. Like it has for me in uh, the same way. I, I don't discount the suffering of this. It has Chernobyl appeal to yes. me of just a surreal artifact of mankind's hubris. Yeah. Um, like pocket cultures uh, built up in there and stuff. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, in, in Shadowrun, it still got torn down, but they built a new one. Yeah. And this idea is <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's also a, a big, a, a big part of what this game is concerned yes. with, yeah, yeah. but it's, but it's like, oh, we can just try it again. Like, what have we, okay. So the last time we, <laughs> the last time this incredibly dense area, uh, uh, sprung up, it was a big, it was a nightmare problem, right? Yeah. Well, what if we just tried Oops. to try it again? Oops. Oh, we didn't expect it to turn into hell on earth again. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> except, except the, the reasons, the reasons are different. <laughs> yeah. Um, Duncan is really shocked to learn that his adopted father uh, was consorting with Shadowrunners. He has a very low opinion of Shadowrunners. Yes. Uh, yeah. And as you're talking, uh, snipers kill three of the people. Uh, they yes. Kill two of the Shadowrunners and Carter, uh, your your red shirt who came along. It's really canny that that person's there. Uh, mm -hmm. So it shows the snipers are not sighted. You yes. are not, uh, you know, looking at one side. This is mm -hmm. a, a cool move to get everyone's trust. Like they're, yeah. they're against all of you. 
Yeah, each of us has a uh, has a body count, so there is nothing against us uh, kind of teaming up. Uh, they call out, so it's the local police, it's the Hong Kong police uh, police force, and um, they don't respond to the fact that we're Lone Star, right? Like Duncan tries to, you know, pull out his badge. No, nothing. Yeah, uh, they shoot an- out of his hand and it spins. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> flies into a big spittoon, makes a patoon. Yeah. yeah. Tarnation. <laughs> he says his famous catchphrase. Yeah. Um, the Rot Shaman, who was one of the Shadowrunners in that group, finds an escape uh, for you. Um, so, you, But you have to get through this uh, down the street full of enemies, keeping in cover uh, that's covered by snipers. Um, so you have to make it to this exit while uh, slowly inching your way up. This yeah. is a really good combat encounter. Like yeah. I didn't expect it to get this intricate this early. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, about partway through uh, enemies start coming in from the back uh, as you uh, go down this very long laneway uh, kind of deal. There are choke points where uh, some uh, police are posted up. It's a, it's an interesting encounter uh, uh, for them to throw at you so soon after kind of basic tutorial stuff. You have to constantly be making your way forward. Yeah. Like you can, you can stop and engage, but you, if you're not making forward progress, you're not going to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you get to the sewers and we check in the people, you know, we're like, Hey, who do, who do they get? Who do they kill? Uh, it was two shadowrunners named Nightjar and Gutshot. Uh, <laughs> Gutshot, horrible name for a yeah. shadowrunner. <laughs> I, I love how everybody hates Gutshot. Like, yeah, oh, Nightjar was a piece of shit. <laughs> Nightjar was a good guy. He was our leader. Gutshot, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. Uh, they're trying to set up that, uh, you know, people work together. They don't have to mm-hmm. like each other. Like I play this game. I like these guys and I want them all to like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can play a real asshole and they'll still work with you because that's how Shadowrun teams work. Yes. Um, the orc shaman is named Gobbit. Uh, and the dwarf decker is named uh, Isabel, but it's ISO bell mm-hmm. uh, spelled like an ISO. Uh, Gobbit is a orc. So she's tall and big for some mm-hmm. reason, the way her portrait looks, it makes it seem like these are just two little kids. Yep. Chat with you a little bit. <laughs> like she's bigger than you are, most uh-huh. likely. Uh does not come off that way in portrait. No, no. She looks more like an elf in the portrait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They 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 really like went hot orc. Yeah. Uh on this. Like I'm not saying that this specific cartoon character is hot, but they really downplayed orcish features to yeah. make her look more human. Um yeah. and then uh Isabel uh is not uh is a, a dwarf character, and they just make her sprite very short. They don't really mm-hmm. have it show up in the uh, the portrait either. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, so we'll learn more about them when we get back to the uh, get back to the hub and uh, start start spending time with them. But you know they're happy enough to kind of work work with us uh, to get to safety. Right? Why? Yes. Uh, why turn down help again when they're firing on all of us? Uh, Duncan he tries to radio for Lone Star reinforcements, but his uh, credentials have been uh, have been revoked. Um, you know, just, uh, that is a problem. Uh, and then we have to, uh, crush our PDAs like this, start the process of, uh, going dark, getting rid of our digital footprint because, uh, an APB has been, uh, has been issued for us. We're yep. burned. Uh, we even get this little news conflict about, a, a or a news uh, broadcast about a conflict at the port between the port authority and terrorists from white star. So they're, they're already whitewashing this whole thing, like saying yeah. we're terrorist. Uh, so we have to survive. We need to burn our sins. Uh, sins are your identity uh, in this. It's basically um, your digital and physical identity in the mm-hmm. world of Shadowrun, which has a real catchy name. So you can become the sinless uh, <laughs> in, in a very 90s turn. Um, this is hard to do. 
Uh, they have to yeah. wipe every trace of you, and that would be hard to do now. Uh, but this is a dystopian future where there are cameras literally everywhere uh, and such. So they need help. Uh, the two Shadowrunners we met, Gobbit and Isabel, say, we know someone who can do it. Um, our fixer, Kindly Cheng, she's a straw sandal with the load, uh, yellow lotus triad. So she's yeah. with organized crime. And she's going to be our fixer. And just a complete nightmare for Duncan uh, rolling into this situation with Shadowrunners. And then now we're in Hawk to the Triad. Yep. Uh, Absolute. You know, he does not like crime. And now (laughs) he hangs out with crime. (laughs) And yet yet all the world is crime around him. Yeah. Will he succumb? (laughs) Uh, Kinda. Uh, So so Gobbit and Isabel uh, need to go ahead uh, to Kindly Chang's when we we show up at the, uh, the port here. Um, to get you an invitation. Uh, she is in a Mahjong, Mahjong parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk to Duncan um, about losing Carter. And one of the things I like about Duncan, again, um, none of these characters are great, but I kind of grew to like him, mm-hmm. is he's he's a raw nerve. Like yeah. he's, he's supposed to be this like super tough guy. He's so sensitive. Yeah. This is the most sensitive character in any of these games. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, he's a huge bleeding heart. Uh, yeah. about all of this stuff he takes everything really hard very uh, yeah. very much so uh yeah. you know and like that it, it, that makes him sound one-dimensional you know like i ah, just you know walking around punching walls and stuff it just kind of shows like the just he he's traumatized he is he is wounded yeah. from this past that he has and here he is drawn you know kind of back into circumstances that are very similar to this and it, you know there's kind of a regression happening around it yes. it feels like yeah yeah and his when you talk to him you're going to have this tension between slipping back into these old modes like yeah. it's almost like he's a recovered addict almost mm-hmm. like the reason why he wants to stay away from crime is because he did all that crime and it was really rough and then he got out of it and he worked really hard to get out of it yeah you know um you can try to comfort him you know about about losing his partner but he holds your disappearance against you you vanished and this is where we get to choose our our past we get a flashback mm-hmm. to when you left and we get to choose why we left yeah um i chose i had a you know a friend who needed help mm-hmm. there um and you 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 either case you can say you're supposed to be gone for just a couple of days but you get caught basically yeah. you're gonna find out later like you end up going to jail and that's a really scary thing that can happen as well, like in real life. Yeah. You can go somewhere and someone expects you back and you get arrested. Yep. You know, and that's it for you. You mm-hmm. know, like flashback to not very long ago, like two years ago in which like somebody got fucking black bagged, you yeah. know, like how that was happening uh, here in the non-dystopian Chatteron. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> non. Uh, yeah. so you're, you're pretty confident about the non you threw on there, huh? But... Uh, I, I was pitching a new Indian restaurant. <laughs> Uh, whenever I, whenever I say that the world is non-dystopian, I'm talking about this really cool food cart. I'm going to start. Nice, man. I would kill so, for some non right now. I, I did me too. And, uh, you'll have to, to get the proper karma to pay for the non from non-dystopian food cart. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I told him, uh, there was a, there was a job that was, uh, you know, it was a deal that was too big to pass up. You know, kind of thing yeah. kind of going along with i i picked those etiquettes figuring they were going to be useful uh, i was like oh yeah no my guy just uh just he fell into shadow running early right yeah no. uh you step out into uh hioi is how i pronounce this is it it's but, h-e-o-i but, uh i i say hoi but hoi? yeah 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 um this is a boat city in the dock uh it's under triad control 
Um, yeah. And we, we learn that as long as we're here, that we're not going to be uh, in danger from the authorities. Yeah. Um, this is not a neighborhood where people call the cops and the cops do not show up here. Right. Uh, so it is its own little alternative power structure uh, that exists, like happens. Yes. Uh, there's not much to do around town right now. Uh, eventually, there will be people to talk to. There will be shops to go to. Uh, nothing much to do uh, besides to go to the Swift Winds Mahjong Parlor, um, the place run by uh, Kindly Cheng, kind of the, uh, the the big mover and shaker here. Right. Yes. We we go in and find uh, Gobbit and Isabel being dismantled by Kindly Cheng uh, for bringing an APP uh, an APB to the door. You know, just she is upbraiding them, and I, I love Kindly Cheng. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, she very specifically is modeled after the land the landlady from Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, yes. And and you can tell. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, no, really good character. If you you remember from Dragonfall, the guy who was your fixer was just kind of a. Uh, guidance counselor who liked your team, you know, <laughs> just like yeah. this guy who would just do anything for you. It wasn't that uh-huh. interesting. They added a little bit uh, a spice here, yeah, <laughs> uh, because you can be uh, as opposed to just being you know on this team, you can be basically an indentured servant. Like she points out the power she has over you mm-hmm. with this. Like, yeah, I, I say the word and you're out. And if you're out, there's an APB. There's cameras everywhere. You're going to get picked up and killed immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows that she has power over you, but she's not a sadist. You can be like, okay, well, let's work. And she's like, all right, I just, you know, make me some money. No, yeah. You know, she, she makes sense in the way that organized crime makes sense. It's, it's fun to role play into that relationship too. And kind oh, yeah. of, you know, yes, fall, <laughs> yes yeah. yeah, you know, like, kind of like roll into it. Just like, oh, you just like every, everybody knows, everybody knows that we're thinking something different than what we're saying, but there is a lingua franca of, you know, this, um, you know, like just performed deference that yes. uh, papers over the fact that everybody is acting in mutual self, mutual self-interest, which is, you know, one of the strong longest arrangements of all you know and it ends up being you know at at least as far as i have been a very constructive and loyal relationship (laughs) that benefits everybody yeah that that uh the convert the last conversation we have with her in the game is really good Mm. for that stuff um she asks you for your street names you know uh there you you get to make up your own of course um duncan uh has this outfit and calls him gun show because he doesn't have sleeves on his shirt uh-huh. Uh, and then that's going to stick. He doesn't like it, but everyone's going to start calling him gun show. <laughs> that's uh, so funny. Yeah. So uh, part of Duncan's character is he gets made fun of a lot. And yeah. if you bring him along with missions, he talks about it, how he used to get made fun of a lot as a kid mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And it ends up explaining a lot of his personality Oh yeah, uh, to it. Like before he started working out and stuff, he was a fat kid and everyone called him Duncan donuts. Mm-hmm. And then he used to get really drunk and uh, tell everybody secrets yeah. And they called him like drunken secrets or something like that. Drunken Duncan mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's kind of a whipping boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very sensitive. Yeah. Um, we tell uh, kindly Chang about Raymond uh, and, or we talk about Raymond when she had, she had talked to him, about him muttering about nightmares. Yeah. You know, the walls breathing, there being thousands of teeth. And he kept saying he left prosperity in there. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what that means. That's going to be kind of the arc of the game. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be trying to figure out uh, what that means kind of for the first uh, portion of the game. Uh, she explains like, hey, this is an incredibly tall order, uh, you know, burning your sins, especially because there's so much heat right now. Um, uh, we need to make a call for a, you know, filter for our max extract pressure pro. Yes. Um, yes. 
Uh, and uh, she says, hey, you're going to need to do me a favor. Like, this is going to be the start of a relationship. This isn't going to be a transaction. Uh, we need to take a message to a business business associate that she has inside the walled city. You know, we're on the port outside of this. Yeah. Uh, it's this yellow lotus enforcer named Strangler Bao. <laughs> uh, I stopped ordering that uh, <laughs> after I, <laughs> I realized that it might have been responsible for some of the... <laughs> purple wedding ass nightmares i've been having um, Pur- he, purple what, what's the purple wedding uh, that's from? a game of thrones thing gotcha. i'm being a dork I, I was throwing out a dork reference for for more dorkos in the audience ah, and just cool. uh, sorry man yeah. um but uh he's forgotten his place so we have to go uh do that and she says like his men are also my men like i want to mm-hmm. bring him back into the fold if you have to you know murder them but try not to yeah uh, again signaling that this game even more than the last one is going to have non-murdery options if you want them yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. So we get inside and uh, Isabel is kind of having some flashbacks here. She grew up here. Um, it's, uh, and It's worth noting you can bring Gobbit or Isabel. The other one stays. So you get to yes. choose who you bring. Uh, Isabel is a good one to bring because she's a Decker and you might need mm-hmm. to do Decker stuff. And also, as you, you were saying, she grew up here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just, just this, this place is terrible. I'm really happy that I left. I'm not happy to be back here, but she tells us, okay, Strangler bow, you know, he's a big dork. He's holed up in this place that he calls the Lotus den. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's going to be heavily guarded, but we can likely get, uh, around the guards if we go in through the market. Yeah. Uh, there are little side quests and stuff we do on the way here. There's this, uh, this woman who, uh, we run to claims to be from Hong Kong university who is taking readings, uh, <laughs> for research into feng shui uh yes and uh you know she believes that this negative energy of this of the walled city can create this feedback loop that creates more negative energy so she came here to make these adjustments uh but she can't do it she just wants to leave she's out of her depth she says you know can you make these adjustments like fix some things Mm -hmm. you know you put out a tire fire you fix some wiring uh but this does not make a difference uh her readings you know which is in the future it's real cool that you can read the Mm -hmm. key uh, here, uh, it does not matter. Uh, no. it's, it's just absolutely rancid. Like the, the magical energy here just feels like poison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> knowing some stuff about later, it is unsurprising that putting out a tire fire, just one tire that happens yep. to be on fire doesn't move the needle. on this. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't seem to have very much effect. Yeah. Uh, and she, she says that she says like, Hey, this is a, a slum. Like this is really bad, but it should, it should have a noticeable effect. Yeah. Like it, she, she wasn't expecting to fix it. Like mm-hmm. everybody just like, is like, hooray, the fire's <laughs> out. You know, we're, we're fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, something neat about the shadow run setting, you know, ideas of chi and of, you know, feng shui. Uh, I always, I'm, I'm always insecure about how to pronounce that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like these things that are, you know, cult, let's say cultural super superstitions, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, it's, an, it's an interior design thing, you know, right? I understand there's a little yeah. spiritual underpinning. Like, it, because of the awakening and because of the fantasy elements here, these things can be rolled in because, like, oh, yeah, of course she is real. Like, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are dragon lines about. Like, you know, it's it's all of the, A. There are you dragons can, you about. Can't, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> there are dragons about it. You can't really write off anything as like a superstition. You know, it is, you know, it is entirely possible that these old things, they, you know, people just found out about them and were attuned to them before a wider awakening, you yes. know, br- brought a bigger change to the world. And so you can go to Hong Kong and have something where Chi and Feng Shui, you know, end up playing, you know, big into the plot and into particular missions, right? Yeah. Not not even possible. It's it's canonical. Yes. You know, this is in the Shadowrun setting, this is the sixth world. There it works on these cycles. Mm-hmm. So like this stuff comes back. Uh and people who are attuned to this stuff, like the idea that there were mages and stuff, like Merlin was mm-hmm. a mage in, in the history of Shadowrun. He was just yeah. somebody who had been attuned earlier. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Uh, I eat that shit up. Yeah. Yeah. I just like that. Um there's a these guards, when you try to head into the gate, the guards will stop you. Um, depending on your etiquette, you might be able to talk your way through, I think, if it's gang. Uh, yeah. Instead, though, you head into the sewers and hack your way up into the headquarters where you can bypass all the guards and talk to Strangler Bao. Um, <laughs> it's just in his room alone. <laughs> yeah, just, just glaring. Uh, he tries to play it really tough, but you give the message uh, that Kindly Cheng, you play the video message, and he goes white. Yeah. Uh, you know, And she, she basically is saying she knows everything. Like, I know you've been stealing money. Uh, The reason why I haven't burned you is because I want to have leverage. Otherwise, I'm going to cut you into little pieces and mail you to your kids and then Mm -hmm. dress up as Santa. Take pictures of them. (laughs) Um, So he he agrees. He's going to come back into the fold and he's going to kind of become her enforcer for the rest of the game. Yes. Yeah. And you end up, uh, you know, working with him and having a productive relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she returned to return, uh, to kindly Chang and she's very pleased, uh, that you didn't kill anybody. Um, Isabel is as well. She's very happy about that. She is the least violent of your crew. Yeah. Um, she completes the transaction and burns your sins. Uh, this is no way back. And Duncan is moping about it. Yeah. You know, the, the, another thing that is kind of a wedge is, uh, Duncan, well, you can choose your attitude, but Duncan is very attached to the life that he was building back in Seattle. You know, yeah. like he had finally found stability. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a place to live. He had things, he had something to go back to and you can decide whether or not you do, but like, this is, you know, regardless of your, of your stance, this is much more devastating for, uh, for, uh, for Duncan than it is for you. Well, like putting it in in context, it's like, it's similar to like renouncing a citizenship. Yeah. You know, almost like it, it's basically the only way you're going to be able to make money is off the grid and via crime without this. Like you can't get a job, you can't do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, without it um she has unfortunate news though she's been looking into it and she found out that raymond is dead uh she plays this new bro- news uh broadcast saying he's shot by the police for acting erratically and duncan's yeah. very upset um but then she says no look at this uh, security footage though that contradicts that official report and this is what we saw in the opening uh raymond getting killed by the guy in the tea shop yes there. Um, and very specifically, the main assassin has a very unique look. Um, it is a guy with a suit who has a plastic face. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, uncanny and relatively featureless while still having an eyes, nose and mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a big, uh, implant kind of deal. It's like he's wearing a Porygon. (laughs) Yeah. Like a head crab Porygon. <laughs> um and so he's going to be kind of a little bit of our MacGuffin. You know, he's the operative, you know, very distinctive. You know, him walking around with that face uh, is a very arrogant kind of thing to do. He's immediately uh kind of clockable. Uh mm-hmm. so uh, okay, here's another lead. We have got, <laughs> we've got a guy with a plastic face. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Uh we're going to go after him, but we have no resources. 
uh, to this. And Kindly Chang says, listen, I offer you safety for the night. We'll talk about our plan tomorrow. Um, you go and stay with, with Gabba and Isabel uh, at their boat. They have a big uh, non-functioning boat called the Bolt Hole. Um, they found it. It was full of BTL junkies who were on the edge of death. They just chased them out. Um, and you um, get a room. Uh, B- BTL junkies are people who are addicted to simulations, basically. Yes. Or bacon, plug- tomato, lettuce sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah. No, it, it's simulations. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, they get, get so uh, get so into them that they dehydrate and stuff like that. It's addictive because it's yeah, joy can. Yeah. So you sleep in your bunk and this kind of starts a, uh, 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 kind of a series of dreams that you're going to be having. Um, uh, you get this little cinematic here. Uh, uh, it's a dream about this devil in the walled city and the geometry is kind of getting weirder and weirder. Yes. You know, it's like a, uh, like an infinitely expanding hallway with this devil looking thing at the end of it. Uh, if you want to get the golden ending of this, uh, you want to have all those dreams, which mm-hmm. means you want to sleep when it tells you to sleep. Yes. Um, the, uh, I didn't do it this time, but I've done it before. Just because mm-hmm. just I've seen it before, but it's they're tying ending choices behind how much you explore the world and how much you you know you know about the world. Yeah. So doing these little side things actually have a mechanical effect. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan wakes you up. Uh, you know, before you go, he says, "Listen, I've been thinking about it. I think Raymond's still alive. We never see it, saw him get shot. The camera was hit by stray gunfire. It glitched there for a second. You know, yeah. what do you think? And you can support him in this or not. It's up to you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I pretty much played the, well, there's no way to know for sure. So it's worth looking, you know, it's worth looking into at least. Yeah. Let's find out. Uh, At Kindly Chang's, uh, they're interrogating and torturing a plainclothes cop that they found trying to sneak into the boat. Yeah. Uh, So again, this is very candy in terms of leverage over you and Duncan. Mm -hmm. Um, It's demonstrating the value. You know, like, oh, if, if we weren't under this crime lord's thumb, we'd be dead. Right. Like it's a protection racket that actually provides protection. <laughs> you know? Strange, we know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantasy world. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, there there you've been declared an international terrorist. Uh, this guy was alone. He just wanted the credit for it. Yeah. So you know. So uh if this guy can slip in, imagine what else is here. Uh yep. and then this is when Kylie Chang makes her offer. You know, we work for her as shadow runners, uh, these deniable assets. We make her money, uh, we get paid. Uh, she provides this production and she can use her networks to figure out who killed her clients uh, and her operatives. Um, you know, like she wants to know what happened with Raymond and with um, uh, and with Nightjar and Gutshot uh, specifically because, you know, for that face saving thing, like I cannot be walking around here with this black eye that just people Everyone around me can be see. killed. Yeah. Yeah. Because then people will start killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this gives us free reign to the, the city so we can go and talk to everybody. Uh, most of these characters uh, fulfill a function as a merchant for a specific archetype. Yes. So like an interesting thing that happens is you can go around and talk to everybody. Depending on what kind of character you're playing, you will have no reason to go back or even to some of these people mm-hmm. uh, there. But it's worth meeting them. And one of them is tied into that ending, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about. Yes. Uh, so the first one that I ran to was reliable Matthew, uh, because he's right across the street. Also, he's got this, it's basically like a used car, uh, barge, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, for his, uh, for, for, for his shop here. He's the smooth talking drone salesman. who calls everyone beautiful, listens to smooth, smooth jazz, you know, um, 
and people end up kind of rejecting him kind of from this uh, uh almost like a luddite kind of deal uh where you know they say like hey your drones are taking jobs kind of deal yes uh there are two uh some or some people playing go uh jin lao and shu um, you can talk to them and check in on them. Basically, one of the things I find a little bit frustrating about how they hide one of the ending choices behind talking to people in this mm-hmm. is that it can feel really samey yeah. when you're talking to people. Like everybody is having nightmares and everyone's having the same nightmare. And much in like real life, that just has dominated the conversation. Yeah. You know, like if everyone in my block was having the same nightmare, I imagine that's all we talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so you can kind of check in on these guys for like nightmare chat. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people you talk to and they're just like, Hey, you've been having some weird dreams. Yeah. Uh, they have been having some weird dreams. Yes. Strange alleyways and hallways. These promises of great riches or absolution for failures. Kind of this common, uh, uh, kind of feature in the dreams being the walled city. Yes. Uh, the magic shop here, the house of five phases is owned by crafty, uh, crafty Zhu, Uh, and she, uh, is the plot important. Uh, yes. So if you want to get the golden ending, you want to talk to her a lot, exhaust all her dialogue when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, she has books about dreams and she has uh, visions of, of this and talks about how these dreams are not unusual. If you're in the walled city, everybody inside the walled city has these dreams. What's weird is that we're on the border and we're getting them. Yeah, there is some kind of seepage happening. Yes. Uh, we talk about kind of the history of the shop. It was founded by her mother. You know, she established it. Um, and she was obsessed with the walled city and kind of the stagnant nature of the chi there uh, and drove herself to madness researching it. Uh, and there is all, uh, you know, all kinds of research material left around the shop. Uh, we need to tell you to, uh, you know, say like, Hey, look into your mom's research because this dream problem, you know, there's, there, there's something, something to this. And then this starts her down the path that gets you the, uh, the information that you need. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite characters is maximum law, who is this kid, uh, who, uh, runs the cyberware or the, not the cyberware, the decking. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's experimenting with AR. He's uh, part of this of the Wampoans who are a uh, faction in this, who mm-hmm. we're going to go meet, um, who are basically the beginning of uh, Matrix adepts in yeah. this, uh, this universe, like people who can connect to the Matrix without using software mm-hmm. uh, and stuff, uh, kind of the spiritual uh, element. This guy puts on this hard uh, front, and then as soon as you do something cool, he kind of remembers he's a kid, <laughs> uh, and it's real cute. Yep. Uh, he's like man that was awesome like it's it's real sweet yeah, uh, um, yeah uh, i like this kid that gets him into trouble and potentially gets him killed uh yes. his his uh uh let, let, let's say naive enthusiasm for the badass shit that shadow runners do or yes. that you do yeah. yeah um spider shen is your physical adept uh character a monk who does that and uh, melee weapons um also trades herbs and poisons which he extracts from his family of spiders <laughs> uh, pretty great uh who i never talked to him again because i didn't have need for him yeah. uh again that weird way that like your character class kind of determines which npcs you interface with yeah uh a place that i spent a good deal of time was club 88 uh it is mm-hmm. this uh dance club that is run by a troll family of the kafai um uh, and this is where you can go to buy dr- <laughs> buy uh, guns and chems uh and also uh, uh where you can run into some of the kickstarter backer npcs including weirdly just felicia day yep just hanging out 
<laughs> the uh, God, I love pictures of men with goatees. <laughs> I just, uh, mm. um, there's also a, uh, a cyber doc, uh, named 10 armed Ambrose, who is this, uh, party metal guy. It was a mechanic first and a doctor second. Um, this is where you get your cyber and stuff. Yes. Um, I really only interface with crafty you mm-hmm. in this, uh, my character as a mage started with a gun, uh, but you also have like a magic missile you can shoot for free. And mm-hmm. ultimately I was only using spells. So I got rid of both. Yeah. Um, so makes sense. Uh, the here the the thing I learned from playing this thing is that mages are absolutely fucking broken. Okay. Uh, in this, um, you get uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it had to do with my stats, but I ended up getting three. You know, we talk about turn denial, so I ended up getting um, there's a blindness spell and a uh, erase memory spell, mm-hmm. both of which will make a uh, enemy ignore their opponent for two turns. Oh wow! So two it, turns. Basically, getting two turns. Uh, Sometimes it would uh, chain lightning to other characters who are nearby. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the highest part of that kind of tech tree is getting confusion, which charms an enemy for two turns, mm. uh, but seemed glitched and never ran out. Oh, God. What? Uh, so, yeah, I just uh, it it was very easy to take people out. Like the, the trickiest thing was both of those had high AP cost. Mm-hmm. So either you need to move into cover first or deal with being exposed. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, every battle I could spend my first three turns taking pieces off the opponent's board. Wow. Um, like it was pretty, pretty dumb. Uh, it made me wish I had played on like nightmare mode or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, mages overpowered. Huh? Yeah. No, be, be, because the only mage that I really had access to was Gobbit and that's more of a support kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, never ran into a lot of the broken stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very different spells. You also have really good AOE. And stuff. That's mm-hmm. the the separation they made in this yes. in the actual um, tabletop game. The spells are the same. Like mm-hmm. shaman and mages can cast the same spells. Uh, here they they've very wisely mechanically differentiated them. That's good. Yeah. Um, you return to the bolt hole uh, and see that the hatch in the living room is open. And if you talk to Gobbit, she'll say, "Oh yeah, that weird guy who's renting the basement." <laughs> uh, you talk to him. This is weirdly enough another party member. Yeah. Um, this is a Russian rigger uh, named Rector, um, and he is uh, very prickly and territorial, and he has a drone named uh, Koshai. Um, if you, this guy has one of the cooler stories, I think. Yeah, this is the this is the standout uh, NPC yeah. to me. Yeah, I love this guy. He's really interesting. Um, his life work is this drone, and he funds it by doing freelance drone design and shadow running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And he, you talk to him and you're like, hey, what do you, have you ever thought about uh, teaming up? He's like, well, you know, I'm not a magician or a decker. There are some jobs I can't take. Mm-hmm. And you can say, hey, join our team. Yeah. Uh, he does it. Uh, it's probably worth like taking a quick break to talk about the characters that we have uh, yes. mechanically. Like what uh, what niches they fill mm-hmm. uh, here is now that we have him. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then we, we, we can talk about Gaishu when we get to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gaishu is, uh, I mean, Rector and Gaishu are both optional. Mm-hmm. The uh, here, but they basically give you Rector by making him a yes. basement. Yeah. Um. So talking about him first, uh, he is insanely powerful. Oh yeah. Uh, he has a custom drone. Uh, most when you play a regular character in these games, usually have a couple drones who go out, and you're basically trading power for numbers, mm-hmm. like raw power for turn economy. You know, and this, the way that his works is his drone is the equivalent of a very strong character, Mm -hmm. but he can spend his turns, uh, buffing it 
with these unique buffs. Uh, that yeah. Has. Yeah. Um, so you can uh, raise its AP. You can raise its uh, raise its uh, accuracy. Uh, thing, things like that. Uh, while also having him free, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have him use his pistol or whatever because it's not very strong. But like, Rector ended up being a, a, a healer for me with medkits mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, just he, using his extra turn. He's a great healer. Uh, he's really good, like as a gopher to like throw switches and mm-hmm. stuff. And even just having those support. You know, fire that he can do from time to time is not bad. Yeah. You know, like I didn't end up having fire his gun all that often, but it's just free because mm-hmm. you you have Koshai who's amazing. Yes, uh, Koshai eventually gets an upgrade to where if it gets hurt, it will regenerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's based on this Slavic myth of Koshai the Deathless. Yeah. What's named out of and it, one of his like life mission things is to make this uh, this drone actually deathless. When you talk to him and talk to his uh, about his story, I don't know where that would fit in. Uh, I've know. got ch- I've got check ins and these intermissions in between okay. as they as they develop. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah we can talk he, about those he, there. Yeah, right now, like he is very um, articulate and polite. Like yes. he's he's kind of he, he's kind of genteel while also being a, a you know aloof. You know, which mm-hmm. is a w- which is an interesting combination that kind of immediately made him likable to me, likable and mysterious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it turns out there's a lot there. Yes. Um, Duncan, we talked about his personality a lot, um, and we talked a little bit about him, his whole lethal and non-lethal uh, split. Mm-hmm. His interesting thing is that he is a street samurai who doesn't use cyberware. Like no. he, he just does training and everything. Uh, he ends up just being a assault rifle guy. Um, mm-hmm. You eventually, on his tech tree, can have him use uh, more grenades and more non-lethal means uh, to take people out. Eventually, if somebody is stunned, if they have no AP, you can instantly take them out of the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really useful. Um, you can also uh, get a uh, shock prod for him. That's very strong. Yeah. Um, and his ultimate uh, that I ended up taking on the uh, the lethal path was throwing grenades back. Um, yeah. That ends up being stupid good. I, I never took it before this run because I can't remember what it's up against, but the other thing just seemed more useful to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a really good flash grenade. Um Anywhere near him, if a grenade is lands anywhere near him, it just goes return to sunder. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Like it basically, if you cluster your guys, it makes you immune to the main thing people are going to do to punish you for clustering your guys. Yeah. Um, uh, this is also a cyberware that you can get. There's like a magnetic arm that you can, uh, that you can do. Uh, mm-hmm. but that gives up an arm slot, which ends up being pretty valuable. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. a street samurai, um, and, uh, also there's no guarantee that you're going to have the strength to throw them accurately. Whereas Duncan does. Yeah. Uh, the, him being good at throwing also means that, uh, throwing grenades ends up costing only one AP mm-hmm. as opposed to two. Like he ends up being a very useful party member. Yes. Um, despite not taking uh, cyberware. Yeah. Um, Gobbit, as we mentioned, is a samurai uh, or a shaman. There are support mages. Um, the they can do things to you know haste you, heal you, improve your aim, do some area denial, and then uh, their big marquee feature is summoning spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, it works the same way as it did in, in Dragonfall and Shadowrun Returns, but yeah. it's really useful. Get another body on the field that has unique abilities the balance being it's a consumable usually she'll Mm -hmm. start with a a default loadout where she'll start with one for the whole mission but if you want to summon a more than one encounter um you need to buy them yeah that costs money yeah or you know occasionally they will be there will be an icon you can click to kind of bring one in uh from a a battlefield spirit 
yeah. yeah, natural spirit there. Those are hard to control. Uh, you you can specialize her uh, either for like area denial um, or like with her with her spirit uh, kind of deal. Uh, you can basically be able to take enemy spirits off the board, um, uh, you know, uh, very effectively and reliably. Mm-hmm. As well, or um, assume control of them, uh, which yes. is, or turn to turn them to your side, which ends up being very valuable. Yeah. Uh, in physical space, she's kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh, I hate her gun. I hate mm-hmm. Uzis. Uh, yeah. If I could strike every Uzi from video games, I would. They're never good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just never work. No. Um, so her uh, physical skills tend to be getting out a lot of shots at lower accuracy. Mm-hmm. have a chance uh at the end of her tech tree she gets a ability called flush out which uh, doesn't do very much damage but removes cover yeah. bonuses and that ends up being useful mm-hmm. uh but in general uh she's a support character almost entirely yeah. her, um, um, unlike isabel who you would think would be only support oh oh yeah um no. gobbit's personality she's kind of a crunchy uh like uh s- slob art student Kind of, uh, yes. kind of kind of kind of person. Uh, she has two pet rats. They're not you know special. She just kind of picked them up off the street to take care of them. Uh, kind of as a uh, you can ask her where 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 she got them, and she acts like it's the stupidest question in the world. <laughs> it's like, like it's Hong Kong. <laughs> it's not like there's a shortage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, but she's she's very young. She started uh, uh, kind of shadow running at an at an early age, and like the time that you spend with her is her kind of giving you like these these lessons from her previous uh, previous runs, kind of explaining how they went, and like asking like, "Hey, what would you have done? You know, like what's the takeaway from this kind of deal? You mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah, which is, which is fun. Like yeah. I, I like the little like stories of runs gone wrong because shadow run is a game where it's fun when things go wrong um you know is the idea uh yeah uh she she's she's a good character her real name is gobbit Mm -hmm. uh because because her mom just thought it sounded pretty it's not her shadow run handle no um isabel is very shy uh and very socially awkward uh there's gonna be reasons for that which you're gonna find Mm -hmm. out uh, mechanically as we mentioned in the opening she is kind of a uh, starts off as a fine decker loses value as the game goes on uh, doesn't keep up with the curve in physical space. She's pretty good. Um, she has a, uh, customized pistol that causes bleed. Um, and then she gains, uh, or she has a grenade launcher as well, which mm-hmm. is uh, really good. It can only fire two shots, but it has really good damage. And then, uh, ultimately she gets some kind of like gadgets that she can yeah. get. Yeah. Well, like um, on the on the grenade launcher, you can end up taking uh, taking level up skills that um, give it the ability to set enemies on fire, and I think there's an acid one as well. There's a yeah, there's like, one that strips armor. Yeah, it's um, it ends up being like a like it's funny because she, naturally she does not become a better decker because her deck doesn't improve, and each each time she levels up, you're given a choice. Like you know, her two paths are you know decking or or you know physical space, and it's like, man, I really want the upgrades to that grenade launcher because that ends up being how I use her. You know, she's incredibly good in a pinch once you learn how to manage the splash damage on that. But like, she needs every advantage she can have if I'm going to be relying on her as our decker as our as our team's decker as well yeah uh, it makes me want to try it. i mean i probably won't play this again because three times is probably enough but if i ever <laughs> did i would try a decker yeah um yeah she also gets a thing in her eye which allow her to blind uh, mm-hmm. people which i talked about how powerful blind is yes in the, in the main section it has a way less of a chance to hit but if you hit it does take somebody out for two turns nice. which is huge 
There's one more uh, party member who we're going to meet later who is also awesome, like mechanically and character wise, uh, mm-hmm. is really powerful and good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, uh, you know, we we go, uh, we kind of start uh, talking with the other runners, you know, and we're trying to ask, we're asking them about their dreams. Everyone's having the dreams, so they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we go to the mission computer and we start our first of our jobs. Um, they give you options uh, for them. You can do them in any order. You also don't need to do all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine playing one of these games where you don't do all the missions because like it's, they're, it's what the game is. They're good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the primary content. Like you're not clearing bases in far cry, right? You know, it, it's, it's the, this is what the game is made of, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they are good. Yeah. You know, so my, my understanding on this, I haven't done it, but the, but the one that's about geomantic sabotage, you don't want to do that very early on. Like that is considered to be the uh, the 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 rough one. We're going to talk about that mm. next episode. But you get three at the start here. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. On your computer, also there's a, a message board. There's the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. There are funny jokes in this. Yes. Uh, I was already kind of reading doubt uh, <laughs> from this, but it, there are there are funny things in it. One of yeah. the things I really like is that uh, Gobbit posts under a variety of uh, pseudonyms. Yep. <laughs> on there uh and is mostly recommending restaurants and then people getting food poisoning and, and such uh, from, uh, her horrible taste at one point she tosses you an oyster she's yep. like here have this oyster and it's like fucking i found like a boat oyster uh-huh. you know just just like where'd you, where'd you get it yeah. you know that ain't good like, those are just bridge river crabs yeah you can just toss me these delicious bar crabs. people now we're living yeah. off the fat of the sea <laughs> The, the, uh, what are these all these uh, delicious clams here that are stuck to the uh, <laughs> the boat? I'm gonna boil them up and uh, you know <laughs> these delicious clams. Uh, yeah. yeah, she she's not very hygienic because <laughs> she's a rat shaman. Yeah, yeah. the rats are very clean. So the, uh, the first mission we're going to talk about here is the dig. Um, this is uh, an archaeologist uh, named Mr. Drake. I uh, was hired to consult uh, on this mansion expansion that is going to have a museum edition and uncovered a number of valuable artifacts. Uh, yeah. However, uh, he ran into a snag. Yeah, his business partner, Lu Hua, uh, kind of sold a lot of artifacts out from under him. Uh, and Drake wants us to recover as many as we can, along with these uh, uh, possibly magic books that uh, would be dangerous in Lu's hands. Yeah. Uh, this mission, like several of them, ends up kind of being in two parts. Like there's yeah. an A and a B side. Uh, the A side is the uh, fun game activity kind of part mm-hmm. of it. You're in the museum that's constructed over the dig site. Um, Drake, Mr. Drake will do a appraisal of all the artifacts you see. You need to steal a minimum of 5,000 new yen worth and you can steal up to 10,000 new yen worth for a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you and you have up to a certain amount, like you can, you can get 10 objects. Yeah. Once you get 10 objects, the alarm will go off. So you're kind of like working with your budget. I <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and the trick to this is getting into this guy's back room. 
Uh, there's a little yes. puzzle. Um, you go to his office computer. It's locked. Um, there's a painting on the world uh, or on the wall. Uh, the Lady of Shallot, 1888, which is a, a painting of a Tennyson poem. You can use this uh, uh, password to get in, unlock a secret door to get some high value uh, uh, artifacts and get past that $10,000 limit. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a little dirty pool requiring outside knowledge for an in-game thing, you know, but also like, I don't know, I good, good boy trivia points. It's kind of like Lady of Shadow. That feels familiar. Google it. Oh, it's Tennyson poem. All right. Try that. I don't (laughs) feel like it's dirty pool because it's what you would do in Shadowrun. Yes. Is you would just Google it, except that like your brain would Google it and then would Mm -hmm. beam a Pepsi ad directly into your soul. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you'd immediately have a craving for like Pepsi black or whatever the future (laughs) Pepsi is. And then also you would just know because of headwear. Sorry, the most disturbing for, for Pepsi would be Pepsi Brown. It's yep. already brown. We it's know. Not browner. <laughs> Pepsi Brown just got browner. <laughs> mm, that's a brown Pepsi. Mm, you it's, said brown it. and wa- it's brown and water, baby. You said it, LeBron James. <laughs> that is a brown Pepsi. <laughs> when I'm not out on the court, I'm drinking brown. Brown Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> just teeth absolutely coated with it. <laughs> Stick to your teeth. No brushing. No, this cut you off. Now I'm wanted at the court. <laughs> Dribbles off. <laughs> it's like, it's, like, no, it's working. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so uh, you can also uh, get a preview of what's happening. The owner's computer, you can look at the emails. There have been multiple um, worksite deaths here under mm-hmm. mysterious circumstances. Um, the funding is about to be pulled because it's a liability nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you learn, you learn why. You go down to the uh, go down to the basement, this uh, this dig site. And, of course, they're upsetting art- artifacts after the awakening. There are monsters here. Yeah. Yeah. This this is a very uh, Lovecraftian kind of thing right like you know the 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 transition of juan romero kind of shit um you go to the basement um there are gargoyles who are there these are monsters we fought in several shadowrun games Mm -hmm. but there are also these mummified corpses that uh do melee attacks if they get to your character they drag your character to like an instance another realm (laughs) so that character you know it's this team-based tactics game you can Mm -hmm. have your squishy mage or your squishy decker they end up alone here yeah. until they can defeat them. It's an g- interesting combat encounter. Yeah. Just, we can't escape realms. We're always being dragged it, to a realm. It's realm season. <laughs> I know there's going to be realms in Heretic. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember how many realms there are in Hades. I know that you, the mm. whole thing takes place in a realm, but in our f- vocabulary, realm means something specific. Yes. <laughs> so it's not just realms all the way down. Uh, we need to get we need to get Jim Stormdancer on because he has a very specific uh, definition of realms as well. Yeah, we got it's, it's a realm off. <laughs> That's a realm off, eh? <laughs> um, when you get the two books uh, and you go to leave, a uh, a ghost monster corpse shows up, the preternatural yeah. corpse, and speaks to you. Says, you know, the books that you hold are living things. They draw monsters towards them. You know, and he kind of tells his story. Yeah. 
says, oh, I once served an emperor, but something went wrong. You know, my spirit did not go with him in death. I instead have been, you know, chained to this site around my body, you know, to this, to this burial site. And he says, okay, you know, you're taking artifacts away. Can you just slip this talisman in among them? If it gets out of the burial ground, then my spirit will be free and I can go looking, go, go looking for my leash. Right. Yeah. And you get an, you get an option for whether or not you want to help him. I, I, I did. He, yeah. he seemed he seemed on the level. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine it's good to have him out and about, but I did <laughs> it as well anyway. Yeah, you know. Uh, and he, uh, what he gives you is a talisman that you can. It's a one-time powerful summon. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth noting, not that powerful. Uh, yeah. You don't want to save this necessarily for the end boss. No, no. Um, just use this when you need it because it, it's not going to hold up to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you leave the Hong Kong police force, come rushing in. So you have to attack them through this bottleneck in this museum mm-hmm. uh, there. And when you get to the exit, uh, the security white program that Drake used didn't work as planned. So you have to go to a side exit where there are more Hong Kong police. That's yeah. a real shadow run thing. Like things not working. Yeah. And routing you through to more, more people who want to kill you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you get back at the end of every mission. There's this kind of rhythm uh, where you spend your karma. You go and you check your computer to get your email um, and then also collect your money. Yes. From there. Yeah. Uh, Isabel has run a report on Raymond Black. Um, his data trail is very strange. Like, yeah, recently he started getting uh, pretty canny about uh, uh, data hygiene, you know, security kind of stuff, and it tapered off. But there is also no record of him existing before 2032, you know, roughly yeah. 34 years before this uh, before this game happened. Dun, dun, dun. And he's an old yeah. man. Uh, you can chat with Duncan about your childhood. You know, uh, how you used to live in the street before uh, Raymond found you, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and whether you liked it or not, like he's drawing parallels to how it is now. And yeah. you can be like, well, there's a charm to it. It's direct, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabel uh, says there's a piece of software that she knows that could help us and gives you a little side mission uh, to go get it. Um, and when you talk about her past in the walled city, I said it's hard to talk about because uh, she has kind of an amnesia about it. We're going to find out more about this. Yes. Um, what that is. Yeah, it's going to be related to uh, to her side quest uh, at the very yeah. least. But it's not you know, like yes, she is shy and you know doesn't want to open up. But also, like literally, there are no details for her to give us right now. Yeah, um, uh, Gobbit starts the lesson thing as the as the veteran Shadowrunner, where she tells you about an old run and quizzes you on what the lesson is. Uh, in this one, she went in and she lit a fire um, to get the cops, you know, to stop going after her. And this mm-hmm. thing, there's a theater in the bottom of the the, the hotel or the the apartment complex, or whatever, with the idea that like cops don't go into a fire to arrest crooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her whole team died in it. She tried to <laughs> warn them to get out, and they all burned alive. <laughs> um, Oops! I love that Gobbit is constantly telling you about all the teams that she's killed. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, it, play, it plays in with some pathos with her uh, quest as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ractor, uh, talks about his past. You know, he used, he worked at a, at a corp up in, uh, up in, uh, the Russian Federation up there. Uh, but his colleagues there, uh, stole his research on, on, on drone self-repair. Uh, and so, you know, he left kind of disenchanted with that. He ended up kind of going around doing shadow running. He was in Berlin, 
um, during mm-hmm. the, uh, kind of around the events of Dragonfall. Uh, he was working with uh, the one lady who was real suspicious of Monica, kind of like the the one person in uh, Christ Bazaar who was uh, uh, who was skeptical of her actually being a, a force for good there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that he was mentioned back in Dragonfall. That's slick. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, next mission we're going to talk about is outsider. Um, there's a serial killer that's stalking the elders of the Wampoan nation. These are, uh, it's a sect of tech fetishists who operate out of the Wampoan garden. Mm-hmm. Um, you're there to stop the killings. Uh, and as I mentioned in the Shadowrun lore, I believe this is what leads to tech adepts. Yeah. Uh, characters. Yeah, when we say tech fetishes, it's not just like oh, early adopters or whatever. This is like a it's a collective of people who are technologically oriented, but like it is slowly kind of working its way towards almost like a religion kind of deal. Yeah, there's a spiritual element to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you can talk to Maximum Law before heading out because he is, you know, here from them. Like he's uh, uh, kind of an away team there, but he only gives just really basic information about what of about what Wampoa is. You know, this hacking collective that uh, provides services outside of the corporate umbrella, untraceable stuff. Yeah. Um, early, you know, you bring you want to bring Isabel here. Uh, one reason you want or Isabel. Here, one of the reasons why you want to do that is because she's your only decker, and mm-hmm. deckers can do things more than just decking things. Yeah, uh, sometimes you'll just get an option like have you know Isabel bypass this things yeah, like just that. Tap them in. Yeah, yeah. It took a while for me to stop bringing her along uh, when I started mm-hmm. getting annoyed by decking things, mm-hmm. uh, but for a while she had a, a constant place. Yes, um, she used to live here. Um, she thought this would be a heaven after growing up in the walled city, but she became disenchanted because it was very mercenary. Uh, she yeah. is she is the most idealistic member of the team. Yes. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, oh, like I thought this was going to be different, but it's actually very similar. Everybody's just kind of out for themselves, and that is not what she wants. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love this. So this collective is named after where they live, uh, the Wampoa, this huge mall that is shaped like a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I love looking like, at the super little detailed isometric arcade. Uh huh. Here, it, it makes me really makes me want to go to that little arcade. Yeah. Oh uh, man, I just I, I, I love like a like a nice neon arcade. Mm-hmm. Looks great. Yeah. Um. The uh, you speak to the elders, uh, and they're like, you know, the, these killings are too brutal to be a retaliation for any of our deals. You know, they're really nasty. And there was another one right before you got here. Right. Uh, Tong, who worked for Tong Sensory Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> uh was killed uh no. so you can go and 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 check your start your investigation there and this is a very long detective kind of mission uh it's you're not doing a lot of detective actual detecting work like you're mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of going from point to point but it's a nice little yarn yeah know? this this yeah. is real combat light i think i got through this without without fighting anybody uh, like mm-hmm. just because i had gathered uh, gathered enough evidence you know like it's just it, mm-hmm. it, it is it is a neat uh, w- way to use this engine for something else besides uh yeah you know b- besides turn based combat snipes yeah agreed yeah. Uh, so you go check this out you go to go to the sensory carnival uh, and it's brutal uh, the body has had its limbs uh, severed and the skin has been uh, removed methodically uh, I brought Ractor along my my general crew was me Ractor Isabel and Gobbit. Uh, mm-hmm. just as a nice complimentary force, one of everything. Um, uh, uh, so Ractor says like, Hey, the killer, uh, kill them with a single slash to the neck. 
uh, and Gobbit confirms like, yeah, there's no fear here. You know, the astral residue, like he was unaware when he was killed. This was incredibly clean initially. Everything that we see, you know, this brutality was done afterwards. Yeah. There's a neat, like you can look at that. If you are an astral character, you can see that yourself. And there's a neat mm-hmm. thing you can do by looking at the astral plane when you get to a keypad, because you can use it to a sense and see which buttons were pressed, oh. but you can't tell which order. Oh, that's cool. Then, you do a, uh, you, you, you do, you do a national treasure Valley forge. Yeah. 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 It's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, Isabel uh, debugs the workstation here and finds out that Tong was creating these BTLs, uh, these better than life, uh, bacon, tomato, lettuces that uh, are, the peaks are double what is safe. Like these yeah. would have fried people's brains. These drives have been taken. However. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, right outside is the kind of town surgeon and, uh, medical examiner zippy toe tag. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Nouns. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, he yeah. mentions that <laughs> there is this other elder, uh, who disappeared, wasn't killed. Uh, to anybody's knowledge, but kind of like disappeared recently before this, uh, before this rash of killings. Her name was Magpie. She was this, uh, we're going to learn she was this incredibly talented Decker who was real prickly. Uh, let's say like not a good cultural fit, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, they felt, you know, they, they were kind of tied to her because her competence held things together. Yeah. She's too good. Yeah. Um, there is a CSI investigator who has a psychometry. Uh, there who you can talk to and he guesses that you're the one who is investigating and say why aren't you helping he's like well they couldn't afford me uh and he he kind of want he has a professional interest he'll help you out yeah uh, a little bit um but you know at this point we don't know who is on the up and up right, you know, so it's kind of right. that everyone is tripping over themselves to help you like and there are a lot of like nice little red herrings again you're not doing mm-hmm. tons of actual detective work but it is a nice little yarn yeah. Um, he says that there's some strange business with this gang called the Red Spears in this nearby parking garage. Um, there was a firefight with the police that happened there recently. You go and talk to them. It turns out they're selling Tong's BTLs, uh, which they stole after the murder. They saw the suspect. It was a tall, hunched over guy uh, in a gray rain poncho. Right. Uh, they will also talk about how one of their guys saw something very strange down in the, down in the storm drains. Um, uh, I didn't get past these guys, uh, to go mm-hmm. poke around in the garage. Uh, you needed the gang etiquette and I didn't want to start a fight. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to kill them. Yeah. You know, uh, but the lead to the sewers is, is good enough. I go to this, uh, Porter who, uh, is there outside the crime scene and ask him for the key, uh, yep. to, to kind of get down there. He's kind of the secretary for, for the Wampoans. Uh, <laughs> He's going to end up being not a secretary. I don't know how to describe him. He's like a concierge of sorts. He's like he's like a like like a common. He's their producer. He like yeah, he's, 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 <laughs> he's a facilitator. Let's say yeah, like he yeah. doesn't have a lot of authority, but they rely on him to get things done. Major domo. Yeah. Um. You know. So you, you head down into the sewer. Uh. We find this necklace, this magpie necklace, uh, with magpie's insignia. Uh. This is near this body that's been chopped up. And uh, we find another body that's been chopped up here that has a tattoo on its arm. Um, we then go and further explore the the sewers around these smugglers. Uh, and you have to kind of, uh, again, try to avoid a fight with them. Um, they're going to try to kill you. You're going to be like, no, no, I found your comrade's body. And they're like, yeah. how bullshit. You know, you're like, no, he's chopped up. And like, bullshit. And then you describe the tattoo. Yes. Uh, and they will believe you. They've yeah. been working with Magpie. 
Mm-hmm. So they give they give us the key uh, to uh, to her to, to to her storm room. Uh, this is around the point where I went inside the mall. Yep. Uh, there's a, a woman there uh, named Rainbow Smite, uh, and uh, she is an Irish. Elf. She's not a like, derby player. Like it's, <laughs> it's a real rainbow. It's a real roller derby name. Uh huh. But yeah, she somehow does not play roller derby, as far as we know. <laughs> uh she's great uh talk to her she's this irish elf uh who ended up falling in with the ira and now she's a cryptid hunter mm-hmm. you know she doesn't have a lot to say to you about the killings but she does mention you know this indonesian vampire that she was hunting a while back which feels like again it's another red herring but um you it know it also feels it, like forward looking like yes. we're going to either go to indonesia or we're going to go to turn yeah uh go to ireland yeah. In, in this world. And she's going to be a character, which would be cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really like these little flavor, like when you're on other people on the job yeah. and cryptid hunters are real cool. Shadow run hook. Oh yeah. Cause there are a lot of cool cryptids in that, in this world. Monster um, on my podcast season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you go into magpie store, uh, the Jack point, uh, it has a couple of pieces of evidence in here. Um, the, the deck components, the illegal deck components have been stolen and the bathtub has traces of blood in it. Um, you know, maybe the killer drained the blood so it would leave less evidence when they move the body. I think Ractor suggests that, uh, giving yeah. foreshadowing about what kind of dude Ractor is. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, 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 he's killing lots of people he meets at funerals. Yeah, yeah th- this is what I would do. Uh, yeah. um, we go to her storeroom uh, there. You, it's mostly empty, but somebody has abandoned a plate of meat. Uh, and you can like, do I eat the meat that is not specified? No. <laughs> I'm not going to eat unlabeled meat. Nope. <laughs> In a general sense, I, you know, just not, not into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it might, it might be your friends, uh, uh, like what, what was it? Wolf meat? Was it raccoon meat that gave them, that, that, that gave them the, the parasites in yeah. Sunny? Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. It was raccoon. I think. <laughs> yeah. It was raccoon. You idiots. It's... Like, like, oh, that's not a good gosh. Show. Oh, it's, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. I need to do a rewatch. It's just those early yeah. seasons, like the seasons one and two are a little rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a box of keepsakes here. You can poke mm-hmm. around in it. Um, but, uh, somebody walks in on you. Uh, I have, have it in those barge, barges in. We're actually in his space. Uh, yeah. it's a ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is, it is a ghoul who is, uh, dressed up in very distinctive, uh, samurai armor. Uh, specifically the you know the uh, red samurai armor from uh, from Renraku, one yes. of the major corporations here, uh, and this is a guy calls himself Gaichu, uh, yes. which is Japanese for vermin. Yep, uh, he's hit out here uh, in this area in the the Wampoans because of the anonymity, but the uh, the spiritual elder Elder Eng, who is the uh, the t- the spiritual techno one, the one that's going to turn into a, like a tech adept, mm-hmm. uh, sensed him. Um, she hired Gaichu to kill and dispose of Magpie, who had created trouble for the elders, like they didn't like her. Uh, but when he went to go get paid, they had set up a police ambush yeah. for him. He had been betrayed. Um, that was what the shootout was at the parking garage. Yeah. So he uh, started killing the elders one by one to send a message. It's not about them suffering, mm-hmm. right? Like it's purely communicational. Uh, yes. if somebody hires me, they need to know the cost of betrayal. Uh, and that's why when you talk to him, like they didn't, or when you sense it, like they didn't feel pain or anything mm-hmm. like yeah. he, it's not personal. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not, 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 not a, not, not, not a sadism kind of deal again, which feels that this is the, 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 the reasonable ghoul 
but the yes. one reasonable goal that we have seen. Uh, and it's interesting talking to him about that. And he's like, you, you, <laughs> later on, you can ask him, so like, why don't you smell like other ghouls do? And it's like, mm. oh, well, other ghouls, they've been pushed out of society, so they don't like have a place to bathe and they can only feed on like rotten meat. So like, you're not smelling them, you're smelling the conditions. Yeah, uh, which you're, is you're smelling poverty. Yeah. You know, essentially you're, you're smelling the, the prejudice. Like the, the cool thing that, you know, he in the Shadowrun world, like the reason why this is a compelling concept for a character is that like in the world of Shadowrun, Japan really doubles down on xenophobia. Yes. Um, it is very intolerant of ghouls and very intolerant of metahumans. It's very mm-hmm. uh, Japanese supremacy. Yeah. You know, and this unit he's part of, we're going to find out all about this. These red samurai were like top of the pops. Yeah. Absolute cream of the crop. And his whole arc is about him, you know, being told this lie, basically being culturated this lie that his people were superior mm-hmm. and then realizing that that's bullshit and then realizing, no, wait, I'm superior. Like <laughs> I am just that badass, yeah. you know, and it, it sells it like it's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and just him, him, uh, you know, subverting all of these ghoul tropes. Like this is one of the cool things Shadowrun can do. You know, mm-hmm. the ghouls are one of the the story nuggets of this world. Uh, and this is a really great articulation of that story. Yeah. You know, I really, uh, just, really love Gaichu. For, for, for folks who aren't aware, uh, ghouls are just one of several possible products of a virus, the HMVV, yes. right? Yes. Um, you know, so this is a medical condition that he has more than anything. Yep. Uh, this is how you get a lot of the, the monsters in this world. This is why there are vampires. In mm-hmm. Shadowrun, uh, taking that, uh, you know, the, the kind of thing about, oh, like it's just an iron deficiency. And mm-hmm. Shadowrun, it is. It's a disease you have that makes you drink blood. Yeah. Here, it's a disease he has where he has to eat flesh. Uh, one of my favorite conversations, you can learn how he prepares it yep. uh, later. And it's like, it sounds like sashimi. It's like a recipe for like yeah. <laughs> delicious raw fish. He he, br- um, he brines he brines it to draw out the collagen because you know something yep. about something about the virus makes it so he needs to it can't be cooked you know if it, if, it, yep. if it's cooked it loses something and it does not provide him the nourishment he needs and you can kind of have this conversation with him here like part of part of his sales pitch here you know is just kind of like all right um, you know it's not tenable to you know to stay here. You you can decide to kill him you know see him as a monster and it's die a fight. monster <laughs> like it's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not the most enlightened way like he's speaking to you he has he has a box of like stuff from his old life you know mm-hmm. like just to you know and i mean you know, p- part of the things you know, just talk to him like okay like what's your condition here it doesn't require a lot of flat like flesh to live actually mm-hmm. like it's only eight pounds that he needs per week you know which yeah. is a, that's a that's a that's a lot of meat but when you think about how much is in a human it's actually yeah you know <laughs> You, it's you it's a small add, proportion of human. Yeah. You could ethically yeah. source that. <laughs> yeah. There are people naturally dying. Yeah. You know, uh, here. Um, you can offer him to, to come with you. You know, uh, Isabel does not like him. Right. Uh, you know, and, and does not really like that you're doing that. Uh, everyone else gets along with him pretty well. Yeah. There. No. Um, and he says, like, I will, I'll come with you, but I need to have my revenge. Mm hmm. You know, um, you confront the the elders with him and there's this really great uh, reveal scene, this like knives out evidence presentation scene. Yeah. Uh, the Porter, uh, Porter Lamb acts as the adjudicator and you present the evidence and they keep, uh, they have plausible deniability for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they have answers to a lot of this stuff. 
um, you know, tongs, but you can keep pressing them and keep presenting evidence um, until Lamb sides with you. And uh, Gaishu is like, all right, like pulls out his sword. <laughs> time to go. And you have to talk him down uh, yeah. if you don't want to kill the, the Wampoans, which will make Auntie Cheng happy uh, and provide some mysterious benefit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just did it because I didn't want to yeah, let, let them judge their own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the, the, the that's more of anything. This is this is an autonomous, you know, kind of place. They have their own law. These people are shits, but like this is also they've been exposed. Like yeah. part, part of this is the truth, you know, the truth about Magpie uh, gets out. So it's like, yeah, they're 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 going to be dealt with. You know, they just could kill them now or let them actually face the music for what they've done. You know. Yeah, and Gaichu doesn't like it, but he'll accept it. Yes. Yeah, he eventually would come to really like you. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, you know, depending on how your talks go and stuff yeah. here, he's just willing to accept it out of convenience. Yeah. Um, he goes and lives in Rector's closet. Uh, very Bender like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and mechanically he is a melee character because uh, mm-hmm. he's a ghoul. He's blind. Um, he can sense things, but only when they're close to him. So he can't really use uh, ranged weapons very well. He can use throwing weapons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he cannot use guns anymore. Right. Uh, so his uh, mechanical hook is that he is a uh, close combat character who has different stances. He can yeah. be in with his sword that give him different benefits. He has an AP kind of stunning stance. He has a more deadly stance that sacrifices defense um, or he has a neutral stance. Uh, and his upgrade paths are really interesting because they're whether he wants to lean into being a samurai or a ghoul. Yeah. Um, he can start getting ghoul powers. Like mm-hmm. regenerating and spitting acid and like emitting a poison cloud, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can take uh, things that upgrade your your humanity, like your your samurai powers, and that's what his story is going to be about. Yeah, uh, I I end up taking all of his ghoul powers while keep keeping him engaged with his humanity <laughs> in the story. It, it's know? yeah, it's not an integrated choice. Yes. It's reflected, but not integrated, I guess, will be the way I put it. Like, yeah. there, there's a, those uh, those mechanical things are themey, but they mm-hmm. don't they don't twist the knife. Right. With that. Um, a bunch of the ghoul ones are just cool, too. They give them added utility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the stink cloud one is really good because he's likely to be your only melee character. Like, you could play as a physical adept mm-hmm. in this, but he's probably the only person who's up in the mix. Yeah. So there's really no downside to him spraying out a stink cloud. Mm-hmm. When he's up there. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so intermission here, you return back to Hoy uh, and do your rounds. Uh, talk to Gobbit about this other mission that went wrong. We learned about her previous living situation before she came uh, to Hoy. Uh, she was <laughs> living on a raft, just a, just moving from floating conveyance to floating conveyance. Uh, but she was there with a bunch of these other shaman. Uh, this place called the uh, the Sinking Ship. Uh, and they had accepted this job. She had accepted this, accepted this job to steal a magical artifact that didn't have a name. The the leader was just like, oh, it's a shiny object. We're going to take that. Yes. Uh, and, of course, the job went wrong. Somebody on the team used it. And whatever it summoned cut everybody to pieces. Like, it was no good. Yeah, it was, it was a big mistake. She ended up being cornered with uh, one of, half of her team and the object. Yeah. Uh, in, in an area like really fun, just shadow run like war stories mm-hmm. kind of things of like things going wrong. I uh, hear this is going to lead into her loyalty quest eventually. Yeah. Uh, we talked to Rector. I uh, talks about his uh, post this post human future he wants to see. He is a uh, a big uh, singularity, you know, kind of transcendence 
guy. Yes. Um, you know, humans can direct their own evolution without something as messy and imprecise as sex. Right. You know, uh, and the way he talks about it is like a architect. He's not talking about it like somebody who has skin in the game, which again mm-hmm. is going to foreshadow his, uh, you know, sociopathy, which yeah. he has, which he's very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of an inversion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you can talk with Gaichu about his past. You know, he was this red samurai for Renraku, uh, but he was bitten and infected uh, with the HMHVV, you know, that, that virus. Uh, and specifically in Japan, the Yamato Act enforcing racial purity uh, would have compelled him to commit suicide. Uh, but instead, he ran off figuring, I'm actually more capable than I was before. This doesn't make me lesser. Yeah. Uh you know, and all he'll talk about right now is like, yeah, I ended up leaving and came to Hong Kong to disappear. There's more to it than that, but we have to get to know him more. Yeah. I think the reason why his storyline works for me where other honor ones don't is because the ultimate conclusion he comes to is a rejection of um, things that make you you that you're not in control, you know, that you didn't control, have control of, that you didn't author. Like he is uh, making a very strong argument towards nurture over nature. Yeah, you know, it, and, and a lot of honor conversations when you have a, a master or what have you, it's something you're born into. Yeah. It's like something you can take, but it's all just it always feels circumstantial to me. And it, it it's a very individualist take on it, on honor and competency. Yeah, it's individualist and it is like an outright rejection of essentialism. Yeah. And I, which think, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. Essentialism sucks. Mm-hmm. uh you know like <laughs> duh I, I i just i don't know like we've been learning that since stories since i was like four yeah you know like oh you're this because you're this race you're this because you're born this way like hey, i mean you're just a person you yeah. need to be all kinds of stuff yeah you know uh the, like yeah i don't know it's it's a it, i'm philosophically on board with it mm-hmm. yes yeah um yeah nothing really new with uh isabel uh here uh crafty uh, talks about the dreams everyone's happening uh, and how these are actually omens. Um, this portent of seeping, you know, this leakage from the astral plane um, and interrupting them or interpreting them, rather the omens incorrectly would be very dangerous. The most dangerous thing you could do. Yeah. Well, interrupting them could be dangerous if the person having them is sleepwalking. sleepwalking. Oh yeah. yeah. Sleep shadow running. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, around here is when uh, reliable Matthew starts getting labeled a job stealer. You know, he insists, no, they're actually job creators. They augment. They've let people do stuff they couldn't do before. You know, yeah, just there wouldn't kinda... be shadow runs without them. Yeah. Like, this is, this gives rigor as a job. Yeah. Um, we get a, the last thing is we get this little uh, urgent message or a message for, about an urgent job. Uh, this doesn't mean anything. There aren't time limits in mm-hmm. this. The only thing that happens is when Gobbit uh, goes off on her loyalty quest, you can't mm-hmm. use her until you do that loyalty quest. Yeah, but there when it says urgent, you can ignore it, uh, yeah. which is a hand wave I always really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, the war between the Lotus and the Red Dragon has escalated. Uh, there's an opportunity to bring Knight Errant down on them by planting fraudulent visitor visitor data in an Ares uh, computer. Yeah. yeah, so basically, let's bring down this uh, this PMC on a rival gang by making it look like they uh, look like they stole stuff. Yes. So this is the uh, mission uh, misdirection. Uh, Rector asked to come along on this after we uh, after we accept it, saying, "Yeah, the people who stole my auto healing drone research, uh, they went to work for Ares. I believe that they're here. So my best chance at getting my stuff back is is probably if I, if I come along. And you want to bring Rector along; he's useful. Yeah, 
He's very useful. Uh, yeah. they, they kind of roll his loyalty mission to this rather than giving him his own bespoke thing. Yeah. Um, you have to get past the lobby. Uh, corporate etiquette can do this or Ractor can do it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're flubbing it, it's real fun. He steps <laughs> forward and kind of big dogs it. Yeah. Uh, you can also, uh, if you have uh, Gaishu with you, uh, the receptionist goes, oh my God, a ghoul. And <laughs> Ractor has to come forward and be like, no, no, this is actually an experimental drone I'm working on um, that integrates biological circuits and basically big dogs are about it it's real fun <laughs> that's great uh you get ractor using his corporate his corporate etiquette well and yeah. his, his social masking you know, oh, which, which we'll talk about later like he knows how to play parts <laughs> um you get up to this lab um and you find out the self-repairing uh drones uh are locking out administrators both digitally and physically um they're prioritizing their own work and it's freaking out the scientists like they're basically it's on the path towards ai Yes, what it's kind of like, like. They, they like they're pushing us out of the room when we try and do anything to them when they're self repairing. Like yes. the, the, the administrator is God, right? Yep. And this uh, this goes against that. Very scary. Uh, this is a really this is a very clever mission because initially it seems very um, stock. You yeah. know, like go plant some stuff here, but as you're in the lab doing your business, you hear an explosion. Um, another set of Shadowrunners is also here after this laser prototype I love uh, this. <laughs> that we have to get. So we had to get, um, we're going to plant that visitor data, but we're also going to steal a tracking device on this laser pistol prototype. And mm-hmm. kindly Chang, we took the job is like, you can keep that if you want. Yeah. Uh, we get here, they're on the other side of this glass. They're trapped with security coming up behind them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can let them in or you can just watch them get slaughtered uh, <laughs> here. If you want to, uh, if you're a monster, why would I do that? <laughs> no, I, I don't know why you would at all. Well, for, yeah. you know, because they're here to get the same thing you're getting. Uh-huh. Like, you, know, you have to choose to trust them. Yes. You know, yeah. they're also being paid to get the same object you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but also, Knight Errant sucks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would rather unite. Uh, yes. there, there's a plausible reason not to. And Shadowrunner um, solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you end up talking to them, working out peacefully. Like, they, they kind of fucked up. Yeah. They're underprepared for this. Uh, and they'll make a deal. They're like, listen, how about this? You hold on to until we're out until we're all out. Let's figure it out. Um, we're going to come with you. We're going to get our numbers. And here's a key card that we found. Yeah. You know? Um, and as this happens, an alarm goes off and the floor starts getting gassed. Uh, so we have to fight off night errant guards either while, uh, Isabel goes into the matrix and shuts off the gas or you send a drone into the vents to manually turn it off. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I sent Isabel there. Uh, just big, big stealth uh, that you end up doing. The, the 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 time shift is weird. If if you are if you are in the matrix and not detected, you can just run around as much as you want, with, as though time is not passing. If you are spotted, then then you lock back into the turn in, into the turn base and you go back out. It yeah. is really strange, and they just haven't nailed it. It's uh, it's meant to be, you know, you're moving at the speed of brain. Yeah. And there yeah. it's, it's, it's supposed to emulate it being faster, but they really can't when combat's involved. Mm-hmm. They also, you'll have multiple combat rounds inside the matrix for each one that's outside of the matrix. Yeah. Uh, which to be fair, that's basically how it handled it in second edition Shadowrun as well. Mm. Uh, it's inelegant. Yeah. So, uh, this, I had left, uh, Isabel at home for this. So I yeah. ended up using my drone. Hmm. Uh, so you deal with these guys, another big hallway fight, uh, as, as the way this ended up working out. Um, uh, and you get down to the basement and we have to yeah. decide who, who, who gets the gun. 
you know, I remembered what Kylie Cheng said, you know, it's like, we're just, we just need to send the tracking device over to the, uh, over to the red dragons. And I was like, okay, let's, let's split this. You guys take yep. the, you, you guys take the prototype, you know, we take this there. There's no reason for us not to work together on this, especially yeah. with night air bearing down on bearing down us from behind. It's a real concern though, because if you decide to keep it, you get a cool weapon. You know, you but, but, but I read so much up in the lab about how sucky this thing was. It's a uh, lasers are interesting. This is also a, a Shadowrun thing, mm-hmm. like how they everyone wants to perfect lasers and they really just struggle with it. Yeah, like uh, you can make them work at short distances and they're very powerful, but the battery pack just like barely gets off enough shots yeah. uh, for it. Eventually, at the top of uh, Ractor's tech tree, you can get uh, his drone laser. That's Ooh. really powerful. Um, it's one of two options. It, like his, uh, split is melee and, and ranged basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is, uh, they're also, we didn't really talk about this. They're unique weapons you can find in this yeah. game. It's really interesting. Like there are more of them than I found, uh, yeah. and they're really good. Uh, I just didn't end up finding them all. So you can mm-hmm. choose if you want this weapon. If you let them go, they'll owe you a favor. Yeah. Uh, this plays into the uh, penultimate mission. Yeah. Um, you go through the subway tunnels. You can also just let them go and let them go on their own or you can keep mm-hmm. them uh with you um you want to keep them with you though because you have another fight coming yeah um Ractor shuts down this generator that that will stop the night errant enemies from coming from behind you when you get to the end of the tunnel there's a third group of shadow runners and you've been reading about these guys up in in the tower like Mm -hmm. oh these people who tried to to break in oh it was nothing etc uh these people decided they kept trying to do the shadow run failing at it and decided to wait outside for someone to succeed and then hold (laughs) them up I just love this three this three uh three three group pile up that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it probably happens all the time in Shadowrun. Oh yeah. I just you know? like the, the 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 same information probably gets out, you know, like all right, we have this very valuable prototype, you know, it's going to be a race, you know, to get. Yeah. It. yeah. There's a data leak and now there's like a gold rush. <laughs> you know. Uh I these guys they made me mad. Uh mm-hmm. so I was just like, you know, fuck you guys and they go down yeah. really quick. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You're, you have them outnumbered. Yeah. yeah. Uh, doing this loyalty quest is what allows uh, each of the loyalty quests gives you a mechanical upgrade for the character. Uh, mm-hmm. Ractor uh, adds a self-regenerating function to Koshai. So yeah. now uh, if he gets critically hurt, he'll start coming back to life. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're going to leave it. Yeah. Uh, for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next episode talking about the rest of the missions in the game. Uh, real excited. There's some cool stuff there uh, in the back half. Doesn't make sense to do any kind of wrap up stuff, but uh, this is an interesting companion uh, to uh, to torment. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. If uh, you have anything to say about Hong Kong or torment please send us a message at duckfeed.tv slash contact by December 15th. Yes. Um, uh, if you have anything to say about January's games, which are what remains of Edith Finch, Heretic, or Hades, the deadline there is January the 15th at uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. If you have thoughts about multiple games, please uh, write them in as multiple responses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you are hearing this, there is still time to prepare for duck fest or duck stream duck duck stream it is this yes. weekend as you are hearing this yeah. if you are listening to it on release day 
Yeah. Um, that is a 48 hour live stream for the transactive gender project out of Lewis and Clark college. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be a blast. Yeah. Um, we are, uh, this year we are joined by Gwen, uh, from our uh, community. who will be joining the West coast crew. That rules. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm very excited. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be super, super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, highlight and- of the year. Any uh, any any previews of uh, kind of content plans that you have uh, going uh, on? Current plan is to do another episode of Duck Throat Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we have we actually have gear mics. to make yeah, that we have happen. Gear now. for it. Yeah. Yep, uh, we're going to do that. Uh, Will is tentatively, and this might all this stuff is subject to change, of course. Of tentatively course. planning to have uh, do Taskmaster. Ooh. Uh, as a as a block, uh, if people are not familiar with that, that's a British show where they give you uh, some tools and a thing to do. And you just have to find the creative way to do it. It's like a lateral thinking puzzle, mm-hmm. but for comedy uh, yeah. kind of, um, we are going to be doing uh, Gwen has a PowerPoint presentation about bad video game music yeah. uh, planned. <laughs> um, I'm going to run uh, several editions of an improv game called breaking news where characters read a news report that they have not read before. And they lose points when they laugh or smile uh, about them. And then we might do some parsley games, um, which are like action castle uh, yeah. kind of things. And then on top of just video games. Of yeah. course. I'm, I'm kind of slowly moving us out, trying to move us away from video games. I mean, uh, selfishly. You, I mean, you have everybody in the same space. You can do cool stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just, I play video games all the time. You yeah. know, like what, what I, these, uh, these kind of party, like slumber party vibes are really rare. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so there'll still be plenty of video games. Oh, and then uh, Modridge is going to play again on Saturday. We're going to live stream nice. another concert. So it's a real action packed uh, weekend. What are yeah. uh, what are you doing for the weekend? So normally I stream the entirety of a horror game. Um, instead of doing that, I have decided to uh, uh, do something that I'm calling random Resident Evil. Uh, I have found and gotten operating randomizer mods for the first four Resident Evil games. Uh, both the classic version of Resident Evil and also the uh, uh, the remaster of the mm-hmm. remake, um, and uh, we're going to just be making honest attempts at those. Uh, it's real funny because it all you can also randomize NPCs and individual lines of dialogue, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and zombie moans and like screams of pain are also huh. considered lines of dialogue. That sounds so good. It makes me wish I w- like wasn't be sleeping. Like while you're, yeah. while you're watching it or while you're doing yeah. it, I'll have to uh, get in your ear about getting that tech Yeah, uh, to, to go through those. Cause that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, real excited about that. Uh, but uh, we're going to be running that. Which ones I do are going to be randomized. There may be, re- there may even be some other randomized kind of, kind of, kind of stuff uh, as, as we go. And that will be in addition to um, multiplayer stuff. Uh, the level folks are going to be popping in and out over the, uh, the, the, the course of it. And um, we're going to be uh, uh, also like, you know, some Jackbox and getting uh, viewers involved as well. But uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm real. It, it it took me a while to figure out what I was going to do, and I spent a good deal of time getting the technicals uh, put down for this, and it works, and I'm happy. So yeah, it is. Uh, it is a consistent great time. Yeah, you know, uh, it's gonna be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are listening to this and you are a non-straight, non-white, non-cis dude and you have a project you'd like us to highlight, please send me an email at gary at duckfeed.tv. 
uh, and we will do so. This episode, uh, we're talking about Dicey Prospects, which mm. are uh, a D&D book publishing uh, company who publishes through DriveThruRPG, right now, mm. uh, doing 5th edition and system agnostic uh, D&D source books. So kind of look, if you just search Dicey Prospects, uh, spelled like it sounds, on uh, DriveThruRPG, you can mm-hmm. find their work. Um, really cool looking stuff. Um, you know, the catalog of contemptible curses. So mm. just like a, uh, a big source book for different curses, uh, you can get in D and uh, inept magic items, uh, 100 more useless, stupid magical items to enrich mm-hmm. and liven any encounter, uh, things yeah. like that. So there are adventures, there are, uh, little source books here. There are compilations of NPCs, things like that, all kinds of things to make, uh, D and D more fun and interesting to run. Yeah. Uh, their number one product on here is called Mimics in the Museum. Uh, mm. the main focus being, the main, main focus being horror and humor, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, kind of like, like, <laughs> how do you, like, how would you make the setting of like a museum and a waxworks, uh, you know, fun to, uh, fun to run in? Uh, yeah. and I would say, uh, that is a very good idea. There is a lot of possibility there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these are all PDFs that are available. Uh, they are pay what you want. Uh, there, mm-hmm. but please kick them some some dollars, especially if you uh, check out their stuff and you like it. Yeah. So that is a uh, dicey pro- dicey prospects. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned, if you uh, if you do have a project, please send that in. Um, we're always looking mm-hmm. for stuff to highlight. If uh, if you want to support us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Yes, you get um, the full version of the premium episodes this month. That's going to be an, ep- an episode. Uh, it'll be our, th- our third arcade special, mm-hmm. uh, which will be fun. Um, but, um, yeah, you also get bonus content, whole bonus shows. Uh, it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of value there. Uh, if you so choose to, uh, uh, to, to accept it, I don't know. I don't know how to yeah, say that. There's a, there's a lot of val- value there. If you so choose to accept it. Yes. If our, you so choose to accept it. Sign <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff there. Like this month we did, uh, we're doing it unfilmable on silent night, deadly night five. That the toy maker. The toy maker, that movie's fucking bananas. Um, we just did uh, Adaptation Decay on Elf Bowling, uh, the movie, and that's really uh, pretty out there. You know? Uh, it's it's worth your time to hear us talk about that, I think. Uh, the, the movie, no. The movie is yeah, not. The, 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 yeah, the movie, probably not. Uh, the episode is. So, so we're putting out a lot of good stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And this is where we're capping off a huge year. If you've supported us this year, um, uh, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw out a personal plug real quick. That's okay. end. If, uh, so I quit Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, it was bad for me. Um, it's if bad you for want, everybody. <laughs> it, it's bad for everybody. For me, the way it was like, I can actually handle the way that's bad for everyone. Like the, mm-hmm. just being exposed to everyone's low sanity all the time. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff is fine. The way that's bad for me is I was spending too much time on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, you know, would I have uh, things I should be doing, but I'm just it's too easy just to sit there and look at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I need to eliminate that from my life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I replaced it with, if you want to go to tinyletter.com slash Gary underscore Butterfield, I've been doing little newsletters uh, every once in a while. Uh, just when stuff occurs to me, I feel mm-hmm. like talking. Um, that's where I've been putting thoughts about the Guillermo del Toro uh, Cabinet of Curiosities show, mm-hmm. um, among other things. So subscribe if you want to get uh, a largely jumbled uh, mess of thoughts about various things in your email box every once in a while. Yeah, do it. So, Tinyletter.com yeah. uh, slash Gary underscore Butterfield. Yeah. 
Correct. Uh, yeah. I haven't been advertising a lot because it's just, like I said, a replacement for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So, but yeah, if you want to check that out, that is there. Uh, until next time, what should they watch out for, Cole? Uh, until next time, watch out for, watch out for bad chi flow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. O- open that up. Don't let it, uh, don't let it stand still.